Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Alrighty guys, here we are today. Um, I got a really cool guest of mine, uh, Captain Jordan Ellis with uh, Mexican Gulf Fishing Company. So he's been fishing with us for a long time, but um, before we get started, I want to introduce our uh, sponsor, as always, Yellowfin Vodka. Um, they're going to be keeping us fueled here, so Jordan, this is your bottle. Take this home with you, man. Oh, Drink thank you, man. <laughs> I'm already enjoying it. <laughs> what you think? It's pretty good? Mm-hmm. I like it. So, um, yeah, guys, so Jordan, how long have you uh, worked with Mexican Gulf now? Uh, I think 11 years. 11, 11 years. years. And you were in this Venice is my prior. This season, huh? yep. And then I was at... I guess a year and a half before, so but eleven years with Mexican Gulf. So, wow! And then, how much of that's like been running your own boat? I guess I've been on with my own boat. I had my captain license renewed once, and I'm about to have to renew it this year. So I guess eight, nine years. Eight or nine, nine years. years. Yeah. Nice. Wow. <laughs> Time's flown by. Huh? <laughs> Probably scary when you step like back me, and think like, about you it. You don't really huh? sit back and think about it that often. All right. Normally when you got to renew your license, that's when it sets in. Like, yeah. Wow. Another five years. <laughs> so, you only do that like like whatever. Every five, five or six years. or ten. Yeah. Five or six times. And that's yeah. it. Pretty cool. Mm. So how did you... Um, where did this... I mean, all of us are pretty passionate about it down here that do it every day. But, like, where did this, like, where did it all start for you? I mean, you, you grew up with a bunch of brothers and a dad that had a boat and liked to fish. Yep. So. so, growing up, we you know, 90% of the time we just trout and redfish. Mostly wade fishing and we would fish out of skiffs and crappy boats that we would know that would break down. We, do, we were just hoping we, we would get out there. But, anyways, we loved it that much. We didn't care. <laughs> But, uh, so we would maybe offshore fish maybe two or three times a year. And, uh, my dad was mainly a, a marlin fisherman. So we would just pull lures and we caught that a in few center fish. console? Or? No, he had, well, at first he had a, a, a old 39 Topaz, mm-hmm. um, express. And, uh, it was a really cool boat. And that's, you know, I was pretty young. I was probably six to eight years old but um and then eventually we got a a 28 hydrosport and we thought we were badass <laughs> you know I, I see them now in the marina i was like man i used to think that boat was so awesome <laughs> you know and then i got a, anyways but uh so it's crazy we take those hot rods for granted oh right? I, I don't i've been on everything else you know but uh but anyways, I remember the days like trolling lures and seeing the tunas just blowing up with the rig and there'd be the charter boats there <laughs> and just thinking, man, what are they doing? How, why are they catching them? <laughs> you know, and uh, actually my first time tuna fishing the right way was with uh, Rimmer Covington, who was one of the founders yeah. of Mexican Gulf. Yeah. And, uh, and we went, we went to Rampow out of Mississippi and hammered them two days in a row and I thought man this is this is awesome you know right right. and uh what year was that that was probably 20 20 25 years ago I would say really 
two you were thousand. Young, huh? Yeah, I was probably I was in high school or I don't even remember how old I was, but um, you know, I never thought I was gonna be a charter fisherman and then um so fo- I played football, so when you're playing football, especially college, that's that's your life. You yeah. don't have time to do much else. So I did that and then uh I thought I was gonna coach and teach after that and uh did you fish much while you were in school or I did I did a lot so my senior year well no I didn't until my senior year I had a bunch of concussions and that ended up getting like they pulled the rug out from underneath me which was okay with me you know I've been right beating my head against <laughs> other guys for long enough I was over it <laughs> and um so then I was my senior year. I was taking a bunch of electives, and I, I thought, you know, I was I was going to be a history teacher and coach football, and I didn't have fo- football practice or anything, any other obligations. So I would go to school in New Orleans at Tulane, and I would drive, go to class, drive all the way back to Mississippi, wade fish. Most of the time was at night, wade fish, wake up, wade fish in the morning, and then drive all the way back to New Orleans finish class then drive all the way back to Mississippi I'd never even stayed at right. my dorm about house that I had mm-hmm. rented <laughs> and um, so I fished a lot that year and then uh, do you miss that sometimes like, oh all the time that like that like cause I, I told my brother that sometimes he's like oh man I'm so jealous you know you, you're out there every day you know getting it but sometimes I do miss that like insane itch just to like you'll drive hours or do whatever it takes just to you know, yeah. get out there on the water for a few hours. I think for me, what made it really cool is so like me, my younger brother, Josh, and my brother-in-law, Lee, we were all in it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it was cool because you kind of fed off each other. Mm-hmm. And like, we were psychos. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> I'm not kidding. We did not care if somebody was hammering them right next to us on live bait plastics we would not throw anything but a top water we didn't we, we were didn't that care, ate up yeah. with it we didn't care huh. it didn't matter <laughs> if it was february or may middle of the day or nighttime we were wade fishing throwing top waters and it's amazing when you make that commitment how many bites you get when you're not supposed to be getting bites yeah, you know you're right and uh, <laughs> that's that's a big thing that i always think about is you just got to stay committed to what you're doing well, you do it long enough, then you get confidence. We always talk about confidence. As long as you have confidence in a lure or a bait or whatever it is with fishing, you're going to catch more fish doing it because you're going to do it longer when they're not biting, you know. So that was a <clears> – <throat> but as far as that passion, it was fun just because, you know, we were all in it together and you kind of fed off each other, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a camaraderie. It's like it's like a tribe. Oh, really yeah, know. yeah. It, you're going on a hunt with your tribe. It's like a primal thing, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sharks get bad. Well, we in it together. Yeah. You know, let's go. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool... Yeah. I've had groups of buddies that I've dove with that I kind of felt that way, you know. Didn't really matter. Like, you had so much fun. You go dive all the time just because, you know, everybody's together. It and just it's makes easy. it so much fun. Yeah. And it's easy. Yeah. You know, like... Everybody knows their role. Right. <laughs> well, what's fun... So, my favorite thing about weight fishing is... It's just going on your own. And so with, when you have good partners like that, it's like, well, they ain't going to be in your back pocket. You yeah. know, they're all going their own way. Mm-hmm. And then you come back or whatever. Then somebody's going to find the fish. But it's just nice to everybody branches out and yeah. do their own thing. 
And you're confident in them. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, how long after college did you, uh, I mean, like, charter fishing was your next step after college? or? No, so, yeah, we got a little sidetracked there. But... No, no, that's cool. That's just the way that this thing kind of Okay, goes, cool. Um, no, yeah. so I never thought I was going to be a charter captain. Um, so, I went to go, uh, my high school coach got me a job, and I started doing that um, the summer before the school year. And uh, it just wasn't uh, wasn't what I had imagined, yeah. and the pay wasn't that good, and um, it just wasn't what job, I had. What imagined. kind of job was it? It was going to be teaching history and oh, coaching okay. football. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know what? Let me uh, let me reevaluate things. I don't know if this is the way the route I want to go. It's kind of a commitment once you do it. Right. <laughs> you get sucked right. into that life. <laughs> and so I knew I loved fishing and I literally got on Google and just started Googling charter boats in Venice. Really? And sending out random emails and I was that guy. You know? And that's how I got down. The strike zone. Uh I'm not sure if they're here anymore, but they've been down here a long time. And uh anyways they I think he was the only guy that called me back and he was like, yeah, we got a job. And then, so I started working with them. And then, um, actually, the oil spill happened. Mm-hmm. Well, we fished a season, and then the oil spill happened, I guess. I don't know. It was 2009 then, right? Yeah, 2009. No. What month was that? I think it happened in May. Okay, so maybe I was a season and a half there. Right. And uh, oil spill happened, and... Um, started. I worked on that boat. We caught turtles. That's what we did. It was actually pretty cool. Really, so you would we, go catch we, turtles for the spill, like, like yes. Yeah, so they would have biologists on the boat, and um, we would just ride. They liked the boat because it had the tower. It was a sport fish, so we would ride either rip lines or like the oil lines, and actually got to go to the site. It was. It was pretty. I don't want to say impressive. I don't know, for lack of a better word, it it was scary. I was like, man, it's going to be ten years. There's that much oil, and you know, yeah, not knowing what it's going to do. Yeah, you just don't know. You never seen was, anything like that right. happen, right? Yeah. And I was like, man, what is this going to do? This is, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, at the, same, at the same time, just the dead can. So I'm not that worried about yeah, exactly. affecting my career, but at the same time, I'm worried yeah, you about you got the shit fish. to lose, but still the fish. Yeah, right. the fish and everything. Yeah, I still love the fish and. I just remember thinking, man, it's going to be 10 years before we recover from this. But So we were at the site, and we would catch a turtle. I think we caught like close to 500 turtles. Holy cow. And only one. Damn, so you're a damn good turtle catcher then. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a certified <laughs> turtle fondler. Dude, but, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan does Full it all. surprises. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and you know what's crazy? How would y'all catch them? I've never even... It's, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, we couldn't fish. This was like the next best thing. Right. You know, so, you know, we shut down for a year, but, uh, so we had these big ass, uh, like dip nets, like bigger than your biggest, I guess like the big, like King salmon nets. Right. And they would have on these giant, like 12 foot extensions and, really? and so like you'd see them in the tower and a lot of times they'd be stuck in the oil. Oh, like, so they couldn't move. They couldn't move, but sometimes you would see them and they, they could still move and like, mm-hmm. 
most of the turtles are little, like Ridley's or Hawksbills, and like they come up and they they would go down and they you couldn't see them from the cockpit, but you know the guys on the bridge could see them and they would just time it to where right. like they, they were backing down up. on it. Yeah, <laughs> and they would pop up and you would just dip net them, and uh, they would put them in these shoe boxes and clean them up, and they en- ended up releasing them in Florida. Some really, but so would, they would bring them back. So yep. how would they keep them? They would keep them. In they like would put the, them inside in the. Uh, so what's kind of scary? So it was like over a hundred fifteen degrees surface temp in the oil. Holy cow! Because like, it was black. Yeah. So, so like they were worried it was cooking them, but we only found one dead turtle. Really? And we had one die on us out of 500. Wow. So they're pretty resilient animals. But anyways, we would have shoe boxes stacked up. You know, some days we'd catch 20 turtles. Holy cow. And uh, now I see them all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm looking for them. You know, yeah. yeah, once you become a, find an eye for right, something. You... Right, but they're, they're all in the weed line, and that's what was getting them. The, the, the weed line would come to get, and they'd pop up, and it's like, you yeah. know, tar paper. But, uh, Anyway, so we did that for a year. Where were we going with this? How I got? <laughs> no, I was I was very interested in how yeah, it's, like it's the cool. turtles because I remember um, I think it was after the oil spill we actually found some of those Kemp's Ridley sea turtles, and they would they apparently they were sick. We learned that they were sick, but they would like try to go down, and they would have air in their stomach or whatever, so they would just pop right back up to the surface. And apparently they were sick or something. Maybe so. They don't go very far. Like they're. I don't know, maybe the bigger turtles go down deeper, but, like, I remember when I was in the bridge, they would go down, like, 20 feet, and you could watch them, and you just follow them, <laughs> and they would have to come up from air, and you would get them right there, you know? So, how long during the oil spill did, until you could start fishing again? It was a year. It was a, a year, year we couldn't fish, yep. A whole year, right? And, um, yep, the whole, a full year, which... It actually did good things for fishing, huh? <clears throat> It did good things for everybody, I think. Everybody was making more money... You know, because we had Katrina. Did you see like the like like the boating industry kind of step up? After yeah, the oil I think spill? I, you know because we had Katrina before that. No. Then the oil spill. A lot of people lost their camps, their boats, or whatever. So they got to work. Make a it lot is kind of crazy because like we've been seeing a huge boom in the food fishing industry. I feel like over the last ten years, and. I'm, I'm sure that helped. I mean, they pumped $16 billion into our locals' economy, and a lot of that money went to people that like to fish. So It wasn't just, yes, that, you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like, that right. money's going to people that, like, are going to be doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so, I think what really jump-started it, too, is it helped everybody get back on their feet, and um, the fishery got a break for a year, which... Yeah, and, and this it, is five years after Katrina too. Yeah, so it's so, like we're still in the rebuilding stage. A right. Lot. I mean, five years after Katrina, this place still looked pretty right. bad, actually. And um, but all right, so I'm gonna fast forward. So during all this, um, Rimmer calls me. It's like, man, you need. To, we're getting ready to start fishing for the next year. Kind of the the, work, the BP work is kind of winding down, and uh, he calls me like, man, you need to fish with Kevin Beach. And I was like, okay, you know, can. You call him for me or you know whatever I call him whatever anyways I call Kevin and Kevin's like yeah you know show up this day I was like okay you know I'm nervous wreck and uh, we go out and I'll never forget this is a pretty funny story so we're catching Tinker Mackerel we're at Medusa we're catching Tinker, Tinker Mackerel and uh, Kevin says go get he had a little uh 
little hard box igloo. I mean, this is my first day, so yeah. cut me some yeah. slack, all right? <laughs> all right, so he had this little bitty igloo hard box ice chest that he kept in the fish box that would keep his ballyhoo in. But he had it in his live well, I guess, just to clean it out. He's like, go get go get that, uh, that igloo... Uh, out the fish box and I was like okay but he didn't say nothing else and so we're already catching bait I was like well maybe he wants me to like fill this up with water and be up in the bow and I'll put the tinker mackerels in there and then <laughs> and then bring them back and put them you in the you just had no idea what it yeah, was yeah that's how little I knew you know and so I, Kevin you know I, he's not he's driving the boat he's catching bait too and uh, so I'm up on the bow and I'm, I'm de-hooking them putting them in the lava and Kevin goes what the F are you doing <laughs> and, I, and, you know, from, and you better have a really smart ass thing yeah, to send back so, to Kevin so. well you know I didn't know I didn't know that was for Ballyhoo or what you said get it out I just figured that's what you want me to do you know so he gave me a hard time about that and that's when I kind of realized like, man I got a, a whole lot to learn <laughs> and it's uh, Kevin was good he was good to me he, um, whenever you got that job with Kevin when you say like that was like somebody like you looked up to Oh yeah, like that's I don't know. That's kind of the way. It's pretty cool because you learn best from somebody that you look up to like that. You know. Yeah. No. Cat and Kevin was he he took really good care of me. He didn't know. I mean, I worked my butt off. I I remember. I'm not kidding. Kevin. At this time, we were back at Cypress Cove, but I remember washing the boat, and Kevin coming back to the boat and telling me to stop washing it. That boat was the cleanest boat, but that's all I had to offer. Right. You know, I didn't know anything, so I, I figured I better bring something to the table. Yeah, very you know. bring up a clean boat. You yeah. can't do nothing I mean, else. it was immaculate. I remember taking off, like, the facing plates of, like, the toggle switches and cleaning <laughs> it. And Kevin's like, what do you do? I took off his windshield to clean underneath <laughs> it. And, what are you doing? I was like, well, you know, I want to, you know. Yeah, I remember that same feeling when I first got to Venice. It was like, I just wanted to be impressive. Like, yeah, and you can't. And it's like you can't because you don't know anything. <laughs> right, right. You got to bring something to the table. You yeah, know, it's like it takes years to earn everybody's respect down here. Like, yeah, it really does. And even then, sometimes you never will get it. But, <laughs> but I got to give Kevin credit. He was super patient with me. And uh, granted, the fishing after the oil spill was so good. I mean, we <laughs> hammered them every day. Really? I think we did the same exact thing. I mean, as far as catching bait, going to the same rigs for like five months in a row. It was so good. And it was huh? so good. And, uh, you know, there wasn't as many people fishing and yeah. it was just easy. But uh, it's definitely a lot more boats now yeah. from whenever you were. Mm-hmm. How, how many seasons did you deck in for Kevin? Uh, three. Three seasons? Yeah. You started running a boat? Uh, well, that third season, I was kind of in. So there's another props to Kevin. Kevin paid for me to go to sea school, and I lived at Kevin's house with his wife and kids. <laughs> I mean, who does that? You know, like I just <laughs> moved in for you know whatever two weeks. Kevin's and, like that though, man. Yeah, he likes you, gen- man. He'll help you out. Super man. He'll generous. Anything for you, he'll give you the shirt off his back. So that, yeah. So. Thank you, Kevin, if you're listening. <laughs> and um, so that third year, I was kind of half and half. Like, at that time, uh, Richard uh, Draper had his for- the 40, and we kind of had that as a backup. And so sometimes we might be double booked, or sometimes Kevin might go to a birthday party or whatever. <laughs> you didn't know. 
but I was I was you there and I was single. You wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese for the day? Yeah, so you didn't know. I just woke up and sometimes I fish with Kevin, sometimes I ride my own boat, but um, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So um, that 40-foot Freeman, man, can't, like, just to kind of, like, we'll get off topic for a second here, I know, but like, you know, a lot of people like the boats, man, like, they have progressed and I like you've seen it every step of the way I mean even I, you were the one running that 40 foot Freeman for you know so long I mean they didn't come out with the 42 till you know long time after they had that 40 mm-hmm. so like you know I mean just talk about that in whatever way you want to you know like the progression yeah. of these center so consoles. I was really fortunate that things just fell into place at the right time you know because I was a nobody you know, at that time I fished with Kevin for a couple for two years, and so I, I had a somewhat of a grasp of the fishery, you know, but I wasn't a, by no means an expert. And uh, I, you know, I'm fishing at that time in the Mexican Gulf is just me, Billy, and Kevin, and uh, and people are used to Billy and Kevin and Rimmer, right? And the Rimmer. Rimmer gets gets out of it, right? right? He got out out of it after the oil spill, but uh, but yeah, so. The, three great fishermen got a great clientele and then there's this new guy that's part-time deckhand and uh the only thing that saved me i could think was number one the fishing was really good and i had this badass boat the 40 footer because everybody wanted to fish on it so it gave me a chance you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh because that is a thing like whenever you're a new captain man like it's a lot different whenever you're getting on the boat with Kevin Beach, the customer feels or the client feels like he's in really good hands versus right. like, oh, yeah, they question. Oh, I got the deck hand, so like they, oh, they question, question everything. What's Kevin doing? What's Billy doing the it, whole day? It takes and, a long time to earn clients' respect, and like you know, I've you know I've been running my own boat for three years now, and I can already see the difference. You know, just from getting those same people back, it's a yeah, it's a totally different mindset. You're so much stressful. more confident whenever right. you leave the dock. You know, right? And that, that's a big thing. You fish better when you. uh <clears throat> I don't know when you, when you trust the customers trust you. Yeah, you're yeah. a different captain. You know, you feel like a lot, lot more relaxed, right? And you just go with your instincts, and you can just go fish. You're not trying to just. Right. I mean, you're always trying to please a customer, but you know what I mean. You're not. Yeah, you're not as worried. You're not about worried about what's Kevin and Billy doing. Right, you know what I mean. Right, right. And that I felt like my first year. That's all I was worried about. It's like, what are they doing? I right. Hope, I hope they don't hammer them yeah. and catch. I come in with nothing, you know, whatever right, it might right. be. But um, no, that's that's a real concern. Yes. Starting off, <laughs> you know. Um, but that boat was so awesome. Another thing. So I had that going for me. Fishing was good. I had this awesome boat. Um, and that boat, I would literally just catch bait, and I would pick a head sea. You pick whatever head seat. And I knew I'd, wherever I went, I'd be the only boat there. Because that boat was so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it really was. It was 40 miles an hour, slick calm, or on four footers. You may be doing 35. But it, you want barking engines, and you just take your time. and you know. You, that that was like a, a, like a flat hole, too. That wasn't a step It wasn't right? step, yeah. It wasn't and it was wood. It was super it was heavy. Wood. So how much heavier was that boat? I'm not sure be honest with you but it, it had four 300s on it i think it would top out of like low 60s really but i remember that it would burn a lot I, of food. i never did get to fish it but that thing was a tank man a bulldozer 
<laughs> it was a bulldozer. I loved it. It was so wide. That boat's still stable. around or no? Yeah, I think it. I think it went back to Freeman in Charleston, and they redid it. I think they made it a little lighter, and they may have changed some stuff, but not much. And uh, I mean, still for Somebody's the majority of wooden, somebody up there owns it. But, hmm. but yeah, I remember Billy saying that was his baby. You know, mm-hmm. he loved that book. Cause that was his Cause, first. Because, like, at the time, I mean, there was only, like, a 34 and a 33, right? Like, like right. that's what Billy and Kevin were in, right? And they had the triple engine. So, the 30, at that time, it was all, it was 33s. They were yeah. invented. Mm-hmm. And, uh. So, they were 33s non-step. They were flat Right, rolls. they were flat. And then, the next one was the 34 stepped, right? With twins, or trips. <clears throat> they, they did... Or no, they no, did they, a thirty-seven seven, with trips. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thirty-seven yeah. with trips. And uh, yeah, and then it went to quads. And here yeah, we it was like, all right, so we're paying this much for a boat. We might as well just right put another twenty in it. <laughs> and four motors, right? And I think. And the, then, I mean, I remember that too because it was like one, like I want to say like within a year because I started working at Brand. And we had that, you know, the 42 Elephant, and that was, like, supposed to be the first quad-engine boat down here or whatever. But then, like, simultaneously... It exploded. <laughs> it exploded, like, yeah. eight other ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, now there's countless quad-engine boats down here. Mm-hmm. And I think Nothing's that, out of range. <laughs> was the, it's not just the range. I think where Freeman changed, I don't know where about anything else, but Freeman obviously changed the fish the fishing everywhere but in venice i think the main thing not just the speed not just the range the ride all that is the live wells the live wells have completely changed venice yeah Yeah. because when we would start out fishing with kevin we would go catch we'd go spend three hours and we'd catch 20 herring sometimes we'd catch 12 and we would go and be like, well, we're good. We'll catch six to ten yellowfins. Right. Now, well, we could do it then because nobody else had our live wells, you know. Yeah. Now everybody has good live wells, and uh, now you need 400, you know. <laughs> but that, to me, the speed in the live wells has changed the game, yeah. you know. Yeah, you got to have that. Like, any tuna fisherman that's in Venice that has a slower boat is at such a disadvantage. Yeah. Well, it's not just a slower boat, but how many boats... I don't... You can do 35 or 30. If you had good live wells, it doesn't make... It doesn't matter. Right. You're right about that. Yeah. You can show up and handle business when you get there. Yeah. But if you don't have live wells... Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? You you know, for for a good chunk of the year, we're using pogies. Yeah. And you can fill them up quick, man. You can, yeah. And, and you, you need all of it. Right. You need all of them. If you don't have good live wells, it don't matter how fast your boat is. Yeah. It ain't going to make a difference. And nobody's doing it better than Freeman as far as live wells. Oh, yeah. It's cool. I mean, like, the way that they pump, the way that they circulate, the way that they, I mean, they, and the floor, they don't really shake around that much. I mean, your bait's no. not really getting beat up. I mean, they're... So I'll they tell you a story real quick. So Billy had the, one of the original 34s. It was a wooden boat, and he had his live well was behind the console, like where our drink box is. And it was a big circular, like three-foot-tall circular live well. And me and Kevin just had, I think we had the four wells, but I don't, I 
shore. But I know we mostly use the back wheel. And we would catch pogies. And we would go fish by Billy. And I remember looking at Kevin and just being like, maybe he'll give us some baits when he's done. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because his baits are that much better than us. And it was it was for like a full year and a half where he had that live he well. had that live well and, and it was that, much, that much difference. We would we would have our baits, yeah, and they're swimming, you know, they're not red faced yet. Well, and then we would get baits from Billy and start catching them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's that's how much big of a difference it makes. You it know does, what I mean? Man. It, it it definitely does. And like you can, man, I'll even say like I've I've done a lot of offshore fishing with. I've never ran an offshore boat, but I've done it with a lot of different captains, and I've seen captains take a bait out of the water that's been soaking, put it in a log wheel, and reuse it. And it's just like, it's not the same as no. whenever you have a, a fresh a fresh bait, and sometimes even like sticking them in the tuna tubes or something, sometimes they just seem more juicy whenever you put them out. Like, you should just be swimming free yeah. coast and away from the boat. <laughs> uh, that's what I was telling my mate today. Uh, Cameron, I said. Shout out to Pokey. Hey, Pokey. <laughs> um, so his bait got boiled on. And he just hooked it and put it out there. It, it hadn't been out there five minutes, but it got boiled on. And he keeps it out there for 30 seconds. So I said, Pokey, you think we need to change baits? You know, yeah. one tuna didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they bowl on it. Something ain't right. So you're right. You know, you got to change. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it. I do it. I mean, I'll take, I've, I do it all the time. Like I'll take a, a bait that's still kind of swimming. Mm-hmm. And I, just because I'm trying to see if what's there. Yeah. Like if I'm fishing like a new spot or something, no well, matter think, what I'm think doing. Think about mangroves like, where you can see it all. Yeah. How many exactly. times they come up and check it out mm-hmm. and then you got to take it off and get a fresh one and put mm-hmm. it out and then exactly. immediately That's what it. I'm talking about. You know, right. Think about those tunas. They got the best eyes in the world, and they're looking up there. And if they come all the way up there, the last second turn, something ain't right. Something ain't right. You got to put. Yeah. You know, they didn't like something. No. <laughs> but no, the, the live wells is. It's a key. Right? Freeman's done a good job. You know, I think Billy and Kevin did a good job talking to them, and they listened to some of it. Man, that's. You know, but I think that's the to, biggest thing. Is like I think you know. Billy Freeman's admitted it, but he, you know, he listened to what the professionals had to say, and I think a lot of that's what a lot of these companies that are trying to come out with fishing products now, they're getting distorted because you can literally make a, a Facebook ad and pump it in front of a bunch of people, and you can sell that product, but it'll be a shitty product. But like the way that he developed Freeman was like actually taking advice from you know some of the professionals in the yeah. industry much like poseidon rod does yeah. i mean like i know you work yeah. with poseidon rods and harold that, that guy a lot and mm-hmm. he does a lot for us but like the ones that actually take the advice from the professionals it seems like their product just gets better and better, and better. oh yeah well they're worried about the product and not uh likes right you know what i mean <laughs> exactly they and they want the people that are going to be using it every day to actually buy it whether they're given to them or yeah. not you know yeah it's a big difference. <laughs> so, to Harold, you know, he, I'm going to give him a shout out real quick. But um, so the first set of rods that he had, you know, we used to use the old Terezas. And uh, when we would break them all the time. And uh, any generic rods that I've used, yeah, break well, them. You just have customers. Them. And I just said, man, I just want a good bend, a tuna rod where I can flip a live bait out, cast it, and I don't want it to break. <laughs> can you help yeah. me out and so he sent down these rods and 
um, you know, he said, try and break them. I said, man, I try and break everything. <laughs> you know, but so, well, not the boat. <laughs> but the rods, you know, I leave them in the rod holders and with sh- big sharks and everything. And, and uh, Harold, you break any yet? Yeah, I broke it a couple. He's like, oh, man, it's doing better than I thought, you know, because I told him I was going to try and break them. But, um, but no, he listened, and the rods we got now, I think all our boats got the same setup, and it's... Yeah, I you mean, know, you, you've you been, like, the main guy that he's worked with, right? With Yeah, so I started with me and then kind of trickled, uh, trickled down to Zach got it at the same time I did. And, um, you know, everybody, everybody's every year we kind of pick up another captain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the proof's in the pudding when you're not changing a rod out every day. Yeah. Um, I mean... And it's such a... I mean, it's such a... I mean, like... I know I went I went through that tra- transition when I was a brand where we had got some like custom rods that were made. It's such a big difference. Like you can fight these fish literally, and it's just the, such better feel. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like from going from generic rods to like custom rods that, especially Poseidon rods. I mean, literally, you can tell them what you're targeting and he'll mm-hmm. make you the rod for mm-hmm. that exactly exactly and yeah and it's it's it makes a difference it does it makes a huge difference uh, another sorry i know we're getting way off topic but so when justin was working with me i got to give him a shout out because he was part of uh the the kimmy sword rod that that harold built but uh so we're sitting there fighting and we, we had these rods and they're a little too stiff because you know they were used to using heavier lead and and uh so we would take pictures as we're fighting fish or, or as we're, the ledge is sitting there. Mm-hmm. And um, we would say we needed to bend here, you know, with our lead. And then when we're fighting a fish, we would say we wanted to bend to this eye, you know, and kind of point to it in the picture. Right. And uh, Justin had a lot to do with that too. But anyway, so sent it to Harold and he's like, I think I got it figured out. Here's this rod. Try it. And it was spot on. Really? And so that's, that's how... Really? The Kimmy Rod came That's from. crazy, yeah. man. That's really yeah. cool. That's really cool. And now a lot of boats all over Venice or all over the country got them. Yeah, so that's pretty, pretty cool. cool how, yeah, like, I've seen that rod on other charter boats. Yeah, but not <laughs> just, just cool. same thing with Freeman is like, hey, we want to circle live well with, uh, you know, no lines. They listen. You know, they just listen, like we were yeah. About, right. Yeah. And they came up with a good product. And not that the live wells make the Freeman, but right, right, it helps. Right. You know. It makes you want to use it, mm-hmm. and that's what they want. I mean, they want you to use their stuff. You yep. know what I mean? They want you to like it. And there's like, it, the truth always kind of comes out in products too, because like I talk to guides all the time, and they're getting something free, and they'll because I know them, they'll tell me what they really think about it. Like a lot of people do, and I think one thing that Mexican Gulf does is they don't really stand behind products that they're not going to talk good about. Yeah. there's no point in doing that because if you do that your word's not worth a thing <laughs> well, that's right you know because like, I would say maybe 7% of our customers have their own offshore boat whether it's in Venice or West Louisiana or Texas or Florida so you know they're going to try they might tr- buy what you're talking about the same rod and mm-hmm. put it in the same application and you got to fish with them next year yeah, and they're gonna say, "Man, what you lied to me?" <laughs> yeah, for? exactly. Know? Like I spent a thousand dollars or whatever you're, you spent. You're right. The truth <laughs> is gonna come out. So, I, 
you know, there's no sense in sugarcoating it. It is what it is. If it's a good yeah. product, it's a good product. And I think you're right. I think, but for the most part, we're pretty honest with what yeah. we got. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of our sponsors have been with us for so long. I think that's how you promote products in the right way. Like, you don't want to be jumping year to year at the next, you know, China made stuff that came out. You want, you know, the good stuff that you're actually using. Yeah. But, um, I guess to get back, you know, more on topic, um, I mean, I feel like we've been on topic, but <laughs> to kind of continue, yeah. no, dude, I like it. It's going really well, but to kind of continue down like that line, like you were running that 40 foot, um, you know, wooden hole and, you know, Billy and Kevin had the, the trip engine 37s and, um, you know, the, Kevin was with Yamaha, Billy was with Mercury and then we came and then the 37s with the quads came around and i think zach got one um billy and i think billy was the first maybe or kevin was the first i don't know with the quads and then you know it was the kimmy you know the kimmy came about because you were running the the shockwave which was the 40 and then the 37 kimmy came around you had quad 300s on it and, and so i would uh and so, it was named after your mom, right? Yeah. 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 So the Kimmy is named after my mom. So I I didn't know I'd I'd be a charter fisherman. I said that before, but I always knew if I had a boat and that I had a chance to name it, and Richard was gracious enough to let me name the boat as if it was mine, even though I'm leasing it from him. And um anyways, I, I knew it was gonna be the Kimmy. You know, that was the name <laughs> of my dad's old uh topaz and then our hydro sport and that's badass. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> uh, it meant a lot. So the the first uh, I gotta tell a little. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked again. No, so no, the no first dude. Story, the, that's this yeah, is the exactly first, how it goes. So yeah. the first trip of uh, any new boat, especially like your first boat with like your name on it, you know, because the oh, forty it's nervous, was different. Man, it's nervous. Yeah, yeah, it's nervous. And you know, you always hear about uh, you know, like you you got to start off on the right foot and all this stuff and. I went and it was pretty rough and I had I think I had like four ladies on the boat and uh, I went to we caught pogies I went to Medusa and I wasn't marking much I was like oh my god you know this is not a good start and I kind of got close to the rig and the ride went off and I said oh no don't let the first fish on this boat be a barracuda (laughs) and ended up being like a 30 pound yellowfin and I was alright sweet everything else after this is great you know <laughs> and um the next bait was a blue marlin no yeah <laughs> so like a perfect you know 200 pound blue marlin fight it for 30 Build minutes it. and catch it yep. yeah and uh that was like my mom's favorite we had always had like a marlin mounted that she caught it was her favorite fish so that was really kind of just that's good special karma. man yeah you and know you, dude you the, you continued to like beat the dog shit out of these fish yeah, with that boat yeah man. so that boat i knew it was just we got off to a good start and uh so back to the speed of the freeman and the live wells i think the first like three months that i had that boat i went to the same rig medusa and hammered them for like three months straight i don't know how many tunas we caught off of there but it was the same it was thing. the same thing every day it was same day. if we weren't if we weren't sword fishing by 10 o'clock it was late. Some days we'd be sword fishing by eight. Holy shit! No, it that's was, crazy. 
was and that was that was year. that the fastest boat for like that three boats? Yeah, it was, it, it was fast. It was the fastest, but we just had like I think because we because it's like every year. I swear it's like what's going to be the fastest one this year? I don't year? think it you matters. Know, like, I think everybody you know they say Jordan's got the pogey whistle or you know whatever it is like we just got lucky every cast nut throw we make we catch him on the first throw <laughs> and we would go you know whether it was 25 pogies you know how many tunas do you need you know right so you throw it, was, it and go right throw and go that's right and I think we did it so many days in a row that those fish knew our boat I'm not kidding because there'd be days where I would go and I was like man we Dude, no, I a hundred percent. I bet that they did because uh, yeah, fish develop feeding patterns. Yeah. If you're on the same school of fish, like I see redfish do it all the time. You know, like they're coming off and they're feeding off this tide and they're doing the same thing every day. And if Ooh, you're a boat, if you if you're bringing them a hundred pogies to two hundred pogies every day and you're catching yeah. ten of the hundred that are coming up, I mean, yeah. they'll keep. They'll keep yeah. doing it. I mean, I, I can't tell you I how wouldn't. many times we would we would would pull up, we'd idle around, and uh, I was like, maybe today's the day. It's over with, you know, or however many <laughs> days in a row we fished there. <laughs> I'm not marking anything. I was like, well, Justin, throw out a net full. They just come up out of nowhere. And you're like, well, here we go. <laughs> you know, and then the next day you're like, well, they're definitely not going to be back there tomorrow, and they'd be back there again tomorrow. So and you just that first keep year going. on that boat was a pretty cool. Uh, stretch you know dude i really believe that too because like they've they've had studies where they tagged like tunas that will feed off the same log like every day like they'll leave it leave it like for 30 miles and come back to the same log and i mean they just develop the patterns you know i mean i don't know it makes sense to me i always like to kind of figure out fish psychology as a fisherman <laughs> yeah, sometimes you think long, you think wrong, but yeah. yeah but sometimes, sometimes there's there's more to it than what meets the eye. But there was something cool about that because they were definitely liked our boat. You yeah. know, it didn't matter if there was three boats there before us. We pull up and put them out, and it was like our pet. You know, they your pets our, are coming. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't help as a you know starting out the first couple of years. That that was pretty cool, man. So like um. One thing I really, you know, we'll we'll talk more about the boats too, but like, you know, sword fishing. When yep. whenever I was a deckhand, you know, it started to come about, and I was very unfortunate. I had a, you know, captains that didn't want to fish for them, but you know, uh, daytime sword fishing. Um, I don't know when it came about, but it definitely progressed in South Florida, and then like I would say around 2015, we started doing it here in. Um, in Venice and you were you know a huge part of um, the innovation and stuff that come through all that and probably like one of the main guys that did it like talk a little bit about it so we used to so one of my good friends Lane Henserling um, he's at the other marine in Cyprus but he uh, I remember him calling me and he would say man Benny's because he had a camp right next to Benny Burst and uh, he said man Benny's got four swordfish on deck you know Benny wasn't in the social media he wasn't in a nobody knew he was doing it you know what I mean he might if he had a big one he might weigh it and then put it back in his boat and he'd bring it back to his condo and clean it but Lane was seeing it all because he was there all the time and um, he said man we gotta figure this out so Lane you know he <laughs> he he was wearing me out but I was like man I can't go do that with customers I don't even know what I'm doing 
said, all right, well, I'm going to go. I'm only bringing one rod. We're going to figure it out. And he didn't have much luck. Well, he went to the boat show, met some guys over there from Miami. What year was that? Man, to be honest, I'm not even sure. But I know Benny's been catching with Venice for at least a, two years, at least, before, before any of those charter captains were catching. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, that dude so probably he, feels like the man. <laughs> well, he he was smart about it. He yeah. he knew we had him, and I think I don't even want to talk about it because I don't know if I'm right or not. But um, somebody came and fished with him just just to give him confidence that he's doing the right thing. And uh, I think it was one of I don't know who it was, but somebody came and fished with him, kind of showed him the ropes. And from South catching. Florida, South Florida, or from Texas. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know which one. Mm-hmm. Either the booby trap or from South somebody. Florida. Somebody came and right. kind of coached him and told him what yeah. to do. Yeah, but he was catching them and keeping it under wraps for a couple years. I know. And uh, so Lane, anyways, Lane was got the itch because when you get the itch, it's bad. It's worse when you don't know what you're doing because then you yeah you it's really want to catch them yeah <laughs> and then when you see them it's even oh, you know, dude I went not. like I went like eight times before I caught my first yeah one. it's bad but so Lane got these guys from Florida and they came and uh, Lane's like man we're gonna go sword fishing you wanna come with us and I was like yeah sure so we went and like it was nothing that I didn't know already off the internet <laughs> cause I mean at that point that's what you're doing googling yeah. well, how do you do it? and uh I think we caught a, a big oil fish, and that was that was it. The next day they went they went in another direction. I think they caught like two smaller ones, and that was you know that, that was awesome. Yeah, because you caught you right. Caught well, I wasn't targeted species, right? I wasn't with them, but you know they're doing the same thing, and uh, but yeah, so they caught them. So that gave Lane a lot of confidence. So Lane was going all the time, and that's all he did all day, and he started catching a few, and then uh, so we met um, Tim from LP and Harold from Poseidon and I think Billy met them actually they're neighbors with Lane at the same condos but really? from Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. and so Billy was like well, why don't y'all come down y'all show us what we're doing and we came same deal came down we didn't catch anything went to like the actually we went to the same spots that we're fishing today and catching them at you know it's just some days are different than others and they just said the same thing we were talking about earlier about trout fishing you just got to have confidence. Have confidence you're not tangled. Have confidence you're in the right spot. If they're biting, you're going to catch them. And that's it. That's sword fishing. Yeah. It's confidence. You know, because when you're not getting bit, it's easy to say, we need to move or we need to do this. And sometimes that is the right choice, but a lot of it's just yeah. know what you're Sticking doing, with know it. it works, and it's going to pay off for you working out. You know, but sometimes it does pay to move. Mm-hmm. But, um, I would say that's where it started, and uh, and we, we started catching, you know, back then we weren't booked all the time, so I remember we spent a lot of money, of our own money, fishing on our own, and I was fortunate enough that Richard... It is true, man, like, back then, like, we, well, I mean, like, the business definitely has grown over the year, I mean, we can book every day we want right now, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, back then I would have... Uh, you know, a couple of days open every other week, you know, and I would, if it was calm, I was, it, well, it didn't have to be calm. It could be rough. I was still going and I would spend my own money and be out there by myself. Nobody else out there. And, uh, I was using electric reels most of the time because it was just me and one other person. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I think back at it and how many fish we lost and like our missed how many bites we had and like how it's changed from then to now what we've kind of tweaked and you know, now we don't. I mean, we still you have bad days where they're just biting funny or use bad luck or whatever. You miss a bunch, but not like we used to. When I remember when we started, I, I'm not kidding. One day, me and Colin Bird were like one for twenty-one. Holy cow! It was terrible. Like we ran out of we ran out of squids. Almost were out of belly baits. Just our belly baits were just skin. Holy and uh, shit. I don't know if it was just our technique or our hook size or the bait size or what but we were terrible <laughs> we really were <laughs> we sucked and uh but doesn't that like that like fuels the like it's almost yeah. good that you suck that bad oh yeah because it made it it, it made, made it that, that much it, worse. Yeah, yeah it makes it so much more worse so, man like i remember gosh. one day with billy i got a sh- oh, you see that lead yeah the one that's sitting yeah the banana lead and uh guys day. just real quick like this lead, I'm not kidding you. It was like a six pound stick of lead, like your typical cylinder shape of lead, and it probably had around twenty slashes yeah. in it. But it was deep, like machete. Like deep, like machete, and then it was bent like a banana. Like this thing looked like, yeah. and apparently this happened on one drop. One drop. Yeah. It was a brand new lead. Yeah. So. And- <laughs> Dude, I can't imagine what so that lead looks like. It's just being Billy, you know. It's just us. We're having a good time. We're drinking a little bit, and uh, we get a bite. You know, everybody gets excited when you get a bite, but then the bite just never stops. The rod tip looked. I mean, it was just pop, pow, pop, pow, pop, pow. Going yeah, up guys. And down. So, like, guys, if you don't know, like, if what anything about sword fishing, the way you do it is you got like straight braid down to twelve hundred feet or or more, fifteen hundred feet. And then it goes to another like a line that's stretched out that has the bait that's a hundred foot away from the lead. So whenever a fish will hit the lead, it's just so much more reactive. Like it looks like the rod is just dumping in the water. Like it just looks, it, it just dramatic. looks like a lot. It's way yeah. more dramatic than if they're actually biting the bait. So so Billy's there, and you know I'm driving the boat. Billy's over there. It's all on an LP, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've never seen anything. I still hadn't seen anything like that. Like, anyways, he, he's like, man, I don't know. Should I drop it? Should I reel it? He does both. <laughs> still, the rod's just like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> and, and, it, and it went on for so long. It went on for so long. Billy's, like how long? Like 20 minutes? Like longer? I, I wouldn't say that long. Probably, I would say, like, the, the first two minutes was, like, insane. Insane. And then, like, it probably went on for 10 minutes. Like, kind of... Gradually, but Billy walked away. He said, "Felt like somebody I give was up. fucking with him." Huh? I give up. I don't know. Yeah, there's some diver down there just pulling on. I don't know what to do. I've done it all. You try it. So I try it, and of course I don't have any luck either. But eventually, we finally come tight on it, and we ended up pulling it off. And we're like, we look at each other like, "What just happened? We suck." And we reel it up. We look at the letter. And we're like, "Oh, that makes sense." You know that that's what was going on. And then we look at our, all our lights are busted all the way down at the end, and our squid's completely destroyed. And we're like, man, what? How many were there? You know, because once you hit that lead, yeah, you it couldn't that, have been. It, it like you think it was. You it couldn't it have been just one. Like a huh? hornet's nest of swordfish. You know, it was just like, how did we not snag one of them? You know <laughs> what I mean? They were just beating everything that was in sight, 
if we sucked that bad, we couldn't hook one of them. But, you know, we've changed a lot of what we do. Baseball. And now I think back, like, man, I wish I could go back to that day. Just, see, just to see if you would have hooked him. Right, right. Well, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so. Did y'all so end up started, catching one that day? We did catch one that day, but not that drop. But that was one drop. And I've. Uh, I wish this was a video so I could show you that it's pretty impressive. But yeah, we'll uh, post a picture if you have a picture. I'll post yeah, a picture yeah, when see. I post the podcast, okay. so people will see it. So, so we kind you know we started off with electrics and we would go tuna fishing and uh, it helped like even on fun trips when you came in and, and put swordfish on deck, um, you know, because a lot of times we had charters the next day. Guys were like, you know, it kind of was mind blowing that you see swordfish on the deck. And it kind of helped encourage customers to want to try it on the way in or something. So we would go tuna fish and we caught some on charters and um, and then it kind of snowballed from there, I would think. You yeah. know, more and more captains started doing it and then we, we started going all hand cranking and uh, that really kind of got them into yeah. it. And uh, I think it was too like, um, like a... People have been coming to Venice for so long just to catch tunas, you know, and they're like, that's what they're coming for. They think that's what they want, but the reality of it is, is people don't really know what they want. Like, Right. Well, yeah, people want to catch fish. They don't, yeah. They don't but, care. And there's some days in Venice, yes, it is tuna town, but there's some days where tuna fishing is not good. Yeah. And, like, a month ago is a good example. We were catching two to six tunas, six being a really good day two being a decent day mm -hmm. so, you know but some days you wouldn't get a bite you know because the sharks were so bad but you go sword fishing the sword fishing was so good I had multiple days where I caught over four mm -hmm. you know you might not kill them all you might catch and release some small few. ones but right. there was the ones you would keep were nice fit you know it's like but it's just hard for people to understand I think because unless they've done it you know yeah because tuna's when it's good, it's a lot of action. It's, it's a lot visual. of action, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, that is. It's a different. Uh, it's a different thing for sure. Yeah, it is. And then, like, two people. You know, whenever people book a charter and they say they're going tuna fishing, that's what they think they want. You know, but then, like, as a guide, if you tell them, "Oh, well, the sword fishing's better," they kind of they're at points to make a decision and. At the time, back then, I mean, nobody, like, they didn't know what that was, and they didn't know what they mean. And if you did go make a drop, and you didn't catch one. <laughs> right. That was it. You were going Dude, to Dude, that was else. just like a, like, and it's like a, like, as an inshore guy, I hear people talk about offshore guides all the time, and their mindset is, is like, man, there's six people on the boat, and we have one line in the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. what they're thinking. And so it's like a... It's a it's a tough sell as a charter in a way. I mean, well, it goes back to what we're talking about as uh, having repeat customers. Yeah, and uh, that are confident in, in and the person you. that you're. And then you can just trust your instincts, and they trust you. And uh, believe me, like I don't like wasting anybody's time. Right, you're and, trying to get them more than they are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not trying to go tuna fish and not catch any tunas. I got to give uh, piece of credit, so. Peace did start hand cranking them mm -hmm. before we started hand cranking. Yeah, dude, I remember that because like I was I was working with another captain at the time, and like 
there was like a there was like a split almost. It was like some yeah, people like, would, oh, we're electric reels, <laughs> yeah. and then and then Peace was like, I'm hand cranking. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, I was, and I, you know, I'll eat crow, but I was one of those guys who's like all electric, mm-hmm. and um, and so fast forward, so Justin was working with Peace. And then Justin ended up working with me, and he was like, man, let's hand crank him. I was like, all right, you know, doing the same exact thing, maybe a little tweaking here and there, but we started doing that, and I can't tell you how many, what our percentage went from. I bet you it was close to 40% better as far as bite to in the boat. Really? On a, on on a hand, hand crank. crank. For us, you know, like it's different. It was that big of a difference. That big of a difference. I think, you know, the less current, lighter lead, you know, Florida, other places have got more current. It's different. But for us, I couldn't believe, we, you know, we did some other things too with baits and hooks or whatever, but it's just, it was more personal. When you got bit, it was, I don't know. Right. It was, it felt like they were either hooked in the corner or gut hooked. You know, you didn't have all the all the foul hooks and pull. It was crazy. When we went to <laughs> hand crank and we caught them more often, or we lost less, and we caught them faster, believe it or not. That's crazy, because it's, like, it's almost like the American in us, right? It's like, oh, do an electric reel. Right? Uh, put that thing up 1,200, 1,500 feet. Crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but... So I'll eat crow on that one. I, I was pretty stubborn on it, but what was the reasoning behind like you wanting to use electric? You just figured it was a lot of time, or well, most of the time I was by myself. So, so when you were learning it, that's what you were right. Confident and in. so like, so like I love trying new spots, like almost more than catching them. I love get, even if I didn't catch, I love trying a spot that no one told me about, and. You go there and get bite. Even if I didn't catch the fish, it it meant something to me. Like I was on the right path. You know what I mean? And uh, it's always, you know, people always like, well, I need the nut. You know, and uh, Benny, go back to Benny Burst. He was one of the ones that told me, man, there's no numbers. Just go. You know, they're everywhere. (laughs) Just go. They'll be there one day, not the next. Just go. Right. But it's something when you go try a spot that no one gave you. That's with anything, man. Right. It right. Is. It means something to you. You're like, you, you you figured something out. You were right. Yeah. You know, you thought they were there I, and they I, were I, there. I, you know, people ask me all the time as a guide, is like, what do you like to catch? What's your favorite target? And I'm like, man, honestly, to me, it doesn't matter. I can be targeting a catfish or a redfish or whatever, but it's more about the chase of finding what you're looking for. Like, if you charter me out to go, you know, look for something specific, you want to catch a big Kobe or you want to catch, you know, and I make that happen. Like that's an epic feeling. But if I go, if I go red fishing and I catch a bunch of speckled trout, I'm kind of pissed, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people, or if you go speckled trout fishing, you catch a bunch of redfish. or if yeah. you go, yeah, I think you said it, but once best I've, I've deckhanded for you a few times in the past, but if you go tuna fishing and you come back with a box full of amberjacks, 
still lost. You still skunked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it, for the guide. It's about putting yourself on the targeted species, yeah. no matter what it is. And like I can attest to that, man. Like whenever you you head out and you know you're heading to a spot that nobody else has been to, nobody else told you about, and you get there and you hammered it to them. It happened to me just a few days ago, and. That's a really, really, really cool feeling, mm-hmm. especially when you be like, "Oh, this happened last year with this wind. They should be right there." Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff is really cool. Get you going as a guide for sure. Yeah, today was kind of similar, but a little different. But I felt. Yeah, what'd you I catch today? Different. People like to hear that. Uh, we caught eight yellowfins and and two blackfins. But so we've been using hornbellies. And hornbellies, they work really well. But it's probably my least favorite bait this fish. This is, uh, we call them hornbellies, guys. They're really like moonfish, right? Moon, yeah. Moonfish. And they're great baits, but this is probably my least favorite tuna <laughs> bait. Yeah. But they work really well. So I don't know how that goes hand in hand. But, anyways, you got to catch a bunch of them. They're not the strongest swimmers. You got to, like, kind of drift when you put them out and throw freebies, and it's. Anyways, they don't eat them the best either, right? They don't, right. They don't like well, they don't like crush them like they would like a herring or a tinker. Right, or right. So, to, so the past couple of days, I've just got on this kick where, like, you know, hope my customers aren't listening to this, but like, I was like, well, I am going to. I'm not catching them. I'm gonna go catch hardtails because they're there, <laughs> and there's herring. And I'm gonna go catch herring, and uh, whatever we'll go. I'll, like today, Chad pulled up to the rig. I even caught a tuna there and uh chad pulls up and i know he had horn bellies and i said i'm leaving i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and watch I'm, this <laughs> no because it, I, I just i'm so tired of i've been doing it for the last three months the same thing putting out throwing freebies and just sitting there and, and catching them yeah but you just don't like to do like like you know what's gonna happen you want to do something to where well no I mean I know I caught plenty of fish on hardtails and, and herring too but it's just I just got tired of it so I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere where I know there's tuners I'm gonna be by myself and I had herring and hardtails and it was like when I first started with Kevin we put two baits out sit there in the current no live chumming and you sit there. You might go five minutes. You might go 15 minutes. But when they bite, they normally come five feet out the water. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you throw another bait. You hook another one. Yeah. There's no live trauma, no nothing. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, you know, it was like getting back to, I mean, people Getting back into the, the basics. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, it, and they eat heavier leader. They eat bigger hooks. Yeah. It was cool. But just back to like finding a new spot. Sometimes you just got to prove a point that you can still do it. You right, know? right, right, right. I thought that was cool. That is cool. Yeah, you gotta find like uh, you know I do that every day. Like, I like there's parts as a guide of the day that you don't really like. Like me, for me, it's like getting up in the morning or like at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> you don't like getting up in the morning? No, dude, I hate it. Man. <laughs> I freaking hate it. You know what's weird is I let like I, some people might think this is weird, but every morning I wake up, I like scream. Like in my camper, <laughs> like wakes me up a little bit. <laughs> but like I hate it, dude. I hate waking up and like I don't know. Every morning I get up, I'm on time and everything. But whenever you find like little things throughout the day, like once I'm fishing, it's like nothing. Else. Like I'm I don't care about anything else. It's like I'm in the zone. You know what I mean? And like finding little things like that to kind of 
like keep you going is uh, I don't know that's a cool thing about being a god is like it keeps you entertained you know there's not a lot of jobs I feel like people do to where they're like entertained to the point that we are you know we're like obsessed in a way no at times you know <laughs> no you gotta be like I was telling the guys the guys today were like uh, <clears throat> cat man thank you for working so hard and I was like man I ain't <laughs> Like, I'm not doing this for you. <laughs> I want to kill these things more than you do. Right. You know, like, I'm not, I mean, I am doing it for you, but like, if I, if I didn't have, if I didn't want it more than you did, I wouldn't be any good at my job. You right, know? right. Do you feel like, like your definition of good is different from like other captains in the industry? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Yeah. Because every customer's expectation is different. At the end of the day, you don't really pay attention to that, right? You kind of... I mean, in a way, you got to pay attention to it, but, like, you do what you do. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I mean, at the end of the day, your employer is the customer. Right. So you make them happy. And most days, it's not about the fish. It's about the, the effort and right. the... You know the, the time. Experience. You know they they know yeah. if the fish are biting, we're gonna catch them. There's days that it just sucks, and I guess you can, we're not we don't perform miracles, but like yeah. So I mean, the, I guess what I mean is like you know your definition of like being a good charter captain for sure is like putting people on these fish. Like that's why they're coming down here. And I feel like, you know, like, with the competition between the guys in Mexican Gulf, like, I mean, you're a football player. You, like, feed off of that. Like, you want to catch more than everybody else every day, right? I I just really believe that there's not every captain that feels that way. I think there's some captains, like, that obviously aren't with Mexican Gulf that sometimes feel like it's not all about the fish, you know? They're just... They're really good at talking to people, and they can get people coming back for that. And then there's other people that rely on like their fishing skills, yeah. and they get people coming back for that. Yeah. So it's like a, no, it's a different like thing from guy to guy. There's a different motive there. Like I can tell you from like my dad. Like my my dad does not care how much fish he comes with at home with it every day. His dad was a sailor, so like just being on the water was good for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like. Whenever somebody books a fishing charter, though, and they got somebody like you that's, yeah. like, there to yeah. kill them, you know, like, that's that's good. That's good yeah. for what they want. So that's, you know? you know, the expectation is there. And I would say when I was, you know, first starting out, like, you know, that weighs on you because you know they're expecting this. But the longer you do it, you just go fishing. Yeah. And... The less you pay attention to all that outside crap, the better, the better. time people have. Right? The better, you, the better mood you're in. The better, because the fishing's gonna happen. Yeah. You catch the right bait. You know what you're doing. You know, you know what you're doing. You catch the right bait for that right time. Even if it takes longer than expected, you know they might customers might get a little antsy. But at the end of the day, you know in your head, all you need is thirty minutes, and you can make the whole day. Right. And right. so like. You know, if that 30 minutes never shows up, I've learned that you just... You just got to suck it It is up, what huh? it is. Because, you know, you're always in the back of your mind. You're thinking, well, what are they doing? What What's everybody else doing? You know, I'm going to come back. And sometimes you do look like an ass clown. Yeah. But for the majority of the time, 
if you know what you're doing, you had the right bait, you did all the the hard work as far as catching the bait. Yeah. You know, that's the number one thing with tuna fish is catching bait. Yeah. You take care of that, eventually you're gonna find fish. If you don't, it's just a tough day. It's just a tough day, right? But if they do start biting, you can make them pay really quick. <laughs> and, you know, you just, yeah. when you get back to the dock, it is what it is, you know. But normally, 90% of the time is everybody else had the same day you did. It was yeah. just a tough day. I, so, do, I feel the same way with inshore, man. Like, I do inshore all the time. And, like, if it was, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, sometimes, I like, it was a tough day and I do better than a lot. And sometimes it was a tough day. I don't do anything. And there's a couple boats that come in with more than me. But for the most part, if it's a tough day, it's tough for everybody that day, whether you're in right. or offshore. It, I mean, it's just, it is and there's nothing is. you can do about it. You don't perform miracles. Yeah. I, that's what I've learned. If they're there and they're biting and you got the right bait, you're going to catch them. Other than that, it's fishing. You know, nobody's yeah. perfect. Yeah, and I think that, like, like, I don't know if it's, like, through technology or just people that fish a lot, but, like, I feel like our customers are really well with that. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like most people that come yeah. fish with us do have yeah. a good understanding that like they're in good hands and if the yeah. fish were biting they would be catching them but if the fish aren't biting it's just well, kind of the way it, it helps goes. like especially with our group and uh i mean I, I can't speak for every other company but with our group we're all friends and like just because you caught them there the next day don't mean you're gonna catch them there and everybody knows that the mm-hmm. next day yeah everybody knows that so we share information and and uh and our customers see that you know they hear us talk on the radio and you can normally you know between seven of our boats we can cover pretty good area yeah we can, i mean when we <laughs> spread out you got the whole it's better than hills yeah you know you know you know what's going on yeah and it's normally if it's slow you normally know it but if it's not and somebody's on them it's a foot race <laughs> and everybody, all those mercuries are there's a lot of shit talking that goes on between the group man oh sure. I love it I yeah. love it I really do it, it keep, you know I think that was the cool like probably the best thing that ever kept me in Venice was whenever I got on with you guys and I remember whenever I got on with y'all I fished with you for a week cause Chad got hurt yeah and I was like I had just got my big boat and I was like man what you think about like Billy and Kevin if I wanted to come run inshore and uh, you were like, I don't know, man, ask them. And I asked them, and they they never checked up. And it, it was been, like, I really do think that's kind of what, like, kept me here. I don't know if I still, I don't know, I don't know what would have happened. But, like, it definitely, like, having that community kind of like like a base that grounds everybody is, is it like, does, essential. Man, because it really is. And Kevin and Bill, they're really good at what they do. Because, I don't know, you know, we everybody has bad days, and. <laughs> and complains or you know bitches dude they and, always have our back and they, they do they, they always have our back they and really do they, they've done a really good job of like buffering the bad days from the good days and keeping everybody happy and <clears throat> I don't know if there's another company that that gets along that has as many captains and mates and gets along as well as as we do and I think it has a lot to do with with definitely them, but the business model that they created. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's it's almost as if we don't even have a boss. It's almost as if right, and nobody's got. But it's it's about who they choose too, because like we just go and do what we do, right? Right. <laughs> but nobody's got a dead end job. Yeah. Even if you're a boat washer or a deckhand, 
you got a future. Yeah. And I think that's what uh, the difference is. It's like they know mm-hmm. even a first-year deckhand yeah. can put They up, will add another boat at a moment's notice. Right. And it'll be you put booked. yourself in the right situation. Right, and, and it'll be booked. It. But they know they pay their dues and they, they do, you know, I, I think that's what makes the company go is, well, it, I mean, everybody's booked, but the guys underneath know. Because if the guys underneath aren't happy yeah. and don't have room to grow, yeah, then there comes a problem. You you're know? right, because you become stagnant. Like, you're just, like, right. you're right. just there. Right. Whereas if you got something to prove, like, I think we see that every year. Like, every year, like, whether it was, like, Matt coming with us, like, him yeah. proving himself, and then we got Dawson, you know, he's stepping up to And they're all doing awesome. And Chad, yeah. And, like, like just like you were talking about how, like, you know, you come up from being a deckhand, you know, with, with Kevin, and yeah. you're sitting there trying to prove yourself with that in front of two legends. Yeah. And that keeps happening year after year. And then, like, you know, it's it's funny because, like, a lot of the, a lot of, like, I, I take a lot of the clients and they end up, you know, they like, who to book, who to book. And I'm like, man, some of the younger ones, yeah. they got that grit. Yeah. Well, I tell them the same thing. Like, people ask me, you're booked. You know, who should we go with? I said, man, you're not going to go wrong with any of them. Yeah. Because I would send my family and friends with any, with of, any of my customers absolutely. and not bat an eye at it. I would, yeah, absolutely. I know they're going to be taken care of. and. That's, that's cool to say about you yeah. know I mean that there's something cool about that you know it really that, is man I, I I could say that for sure too like it is cool to have so much confidence and like if somebody's like oh who should I go with and you can say any of these guys and you're like but yeah. you can't say that about well the rest of the Venice fleet well I mean, yeah they're all good but what what I think is really cool is we work really good together yeah like so, for instance and everybody's kind of unique in their own way. Right. Too. But, yeah. for instance, uh, I had a... Uh, my mate didn't show up one day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chad was catching bait at a, a little satellite rig. And uh, Chad moved over, let me tie up to the rig because he knew I couldn't drop... You know, because it's all about time. You gotta mm-hmm. And he knew if I could tie up and not drive the boat, I could catch bait right. and get it over with. Chad moved over, let me tie up, and we both caught bait the same rig. I thought that was... I mean, that's just an instance that... That's a cool... Yeah, right. that's cool, though, that you can actually... But that, you know, that that was one of our boats, but any of them, any would've, other one would have done the same thing, you know, so they knew I was in a bond, and... It definitely puts us at a, at a big advantage. Oh, yeah. It for does. sure, for, compared to the rest of the fleet. I mean, we have the biggest offshore fleet that there is, and pretty essential in like staying on top oh, of the, and the golf like so you know especially like in when you have a couple of days off everybody goes a different way and you come back in like i said mexican golf is better than hilton's <laughs> it really is hilton's i love you and we look at I you had all the tom time Hil- i had tom hilton on the podcast oh you did you <laughs> oh no, no no well i'm not i'm not knocking you tom but <laughs> but i'm just saying as far as the knowledge yeah, like, like it, the Hilton's tells you if the water's clear. You right. can tell you if the water's clear and if there's fish there and right. if they're biting. Right. <laughs> and how deep they were, how many there were. Right. You know, right. when you got seven boats spread in the whole golf, and in one afternoon, you can, you can learn the whole golf, you know? Yeah. Or have a good idea of what's going right. on. Yeah. yeah, and, like, I mean, I know a lot of the, the big 
Marlin captains and stuff value that knowledge. I know they'll start beating us up pretty good around tournament season. <laughs> no, well, one's chasing. Well, normally, yeah, normally. I, I hadn't seen a Marlin trying to eat a tuna yet this year. Really? Yeah, it's weird, but uh, I think well, I think it's because <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. What do you, what what is your like like what is your unicorn like if there was something you wanted to catch in the golf that was that would really you know get you going um there's a couple I got a couple on my bucket list that I hadn't caught and I want to catch them in the goal I've seen them I hadn't caught them but I want to catch I want to catch a 700 plus blue marlin I hadn't caught that yet I want to catch a 700 plus bluefin I've seen them <laughs> I had caught them um, and I want to catch a 500 pound swordfish yeah that's awesome I think that like all that stuff is very feasible like I, I, I like I've set goals like that and whenever it happens man it's like the coolest thing yeah. you say those goals and then like you'll dream about them and one day they'll actually happen yeah I, it's tough because I don't get a fish for those. I mean, I fish for swordfish all the time, but, yeah, but I don't most get a of the fish time for... you're fishing for stuff right. that that stuff would eat. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> you're trying to bend a rod, right? Mm-hmm. It is true. Like if you spent a solid month trying to fish for a 700 plus pound blue marlin, yeah, I'm sure I would catch one. Yeah. But yeah, that's not what the you're only doing time it's going to happen. Like, and I've seen them. It's what you were talking about. Commit. You gotta yeah. commit. Well, it's hard to commit. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. You a can't different agenda. You, yeah, your 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 job every day is to. But is one to, day, yeah, I'm gonna will. have one come up and try and eat a seventy pounder, and you'll get. And I'm gonna have a bonita. How many times do you think that 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 fish is like within a few hundred feet of your boat? All the time. Today was a prime <laughs> example. You can see it all the time. It's like when you're fighting forty. 60 pounds. You can feel like something's looking at you almost. Or like oh, no, something's no, no. looking at the boat. When that tuna just goes from this, you know, from straight down 200 feet to on the surface. Yeah. To straight to the boat. There's something yeah. after it. Yeah. You know. And what's amazing is like before Go... I remember when the GoPros came out as uh, somebody had one in the water. And I don't even think the fish did that. But they just stuck it in the water. And there was a we're fighting regular fifty pounder or whatever, and it's circling. And there's a, a marlin, fifty feet below it, just darting, <laughs> Dart, you know. And like you'll never know that, right? If that GoPro went there, and how many times? And you know that was maybe a, a fraction of the time there's actually been a GoPro in the water. There's no telling how many times there was a marlin trying to eat your tuna, right? You know, the only time you know is when they swim straight up to the boat and they're trying to get out the water. The marlin swims up right next to the boat, you know, yeah, which happens yeah. more lot. often than people realize. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, man, you told me a story um, one time. Like, I don't know what what is the biggest swordfish that you've heard of around here <clears throat> in the Gulf. I mean, in Venice. Yeah, out of Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi. I mean, they got they got some big one. I mean, I don't know. I know well, Blake I know Rigby Venice, just caught a, a, 340, yeah. a 348 or yeah. a 349. I mean, that was... Yeah. That's 
a state record, I believe. And, oh. you know, in, in the Keys and off of Miami and South Florida, they caught them 700 Monsters. plus. Yeah. Monsters. Mm-hmm. And you told me a story one time that, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why, but it really resonated me, and I haven't ever forgot it. But it was like a story about a fish that you lost. I don't know if you remember. So I got two story. stories. I know which one. You know which one I'm talking about? Well, I got two. It's one of the two. The, the one, one that fall. like drug yeah, you yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, right, so if I'll you see. could tell us, but like before you get started, like tell us, do you, do you think that there are swordfish that are bigger than absolutely 500 pounds out in the Gulf? I th- yes. I do. I I just think that we have a we have so many swordfish that the odds of getting that bait to that big one is slim because the smaller ones are so much more aggressive. And so I feel like, for example, one time we were fishing a tournament, we caught I don't know ten short like small under one eighty, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were. 50 60 pounds and we never were on bottom for longer than five minutes and we were fighting the fish the entire and those fish are like what two years old a year old i'm nobody biologist but i know they grow fast i I, don't don't quote me on that but i know they grow fast but um we just sat there and we were, were fishing a tournament and i was like well what I mean, I know I've caught big ones here. You know, let's just sit here and, and at least we'll win the catch and release. And the last fish we hooked was a good one, like over well over two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, we ended up breaking them off or whatever. But we had them right there at the boat. I got to look at them. I know what it was, but so that's just an example. Like they're they're there. Yeah. But the you don't think ones, it's like 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 our speckled trout fishery. We like very rarely see a trout that's. 33 plus inches and 10 pounds but in texas that's a very common or i wouldn't say very common but it's a it's a it's a feasible feat well it's just much like the yellowfin like it's for us to get a 300 pound yellowfin is unheard of yeah but in other places of the world a 300 pound yellowfin is feasible it's not common but feasible i think so let me, I'll put it this way. I think there's a 200-pound... If there's tunas at a rig, I think there's a 200-pounder there. I think you're just catching the most aggressive dumb ones. Right. Yeah. And that and, and with sword fishing, maybe we're fishing too shallow. Maybe we should fish deeper. Or maybe there's something... But I think we're, we're in the mass of swordfish. Yeah. And so the odds of catching a big one is slimmer just because of the there's sheer more number. the right. numbers. Yeah. That they may not be as aggressive and because I don't think they catch as many I mean, I'm again I don't Yeah, you don't everywhere. know. Like, right. We yeah. catch a lot of swordfish and like have customers that fish everywhere and they say, I've never seen this before. You know, because we there's days where like you never hit bottom. Yeah. Every drop. Oh, you it's catch insane one. sometimes. And uh, I think that's what... I think there's so many swordfish here, and they might be a lot of small ones. I think there's some big ones in there, but I think the big ones are just not going to beat those little ones to the bait. You do know? you think that there's more swordfish than tunas? I mean, because, like, honestly, people that, don't know. I've had that conversation with Billy. One day we were fishing, and we, 
between the four boats, we made four drops, and we never hit bottom. And we all, so that's eight drops between two boats. We never hit bottom one time. And I said, Billy, how many swordfish are down there? You know what I mean? Because you just yeah, you just the like the first fish yeah, that like comes up crazy. and eats it. You don't even know what how many are down. How there. many are there? Is it like thirty coming after it? Because like a lot of times when you hook an amberjack, there's like thirty. Yeah, and you hook one of them, <laughs> right? Or is there a hundred? And you're just in one little spot in the middle of nowhere. It's not like you're fishing a rig. Yeah, like so that whole and you're canyon. marking bait and swordfish and <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. Yeah, but, and, I, and I think that anybody that says that they think they know if there's more swordfish than tunas out there, I mean, I, I just don't see how anybody knows nobody that. Nobody right? knows that. But, nobody but knows back that. to your, your, your quest. So, one fish, you know, you always have those fish. You don't know what the hell they were. But the one that got away. The one that got away, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, And I actually had my cousin, Tommy, on the boat. And... Uh, I think we had caught like one or two, like, you know, like 80 to like 150s before that. And we were just sword fishing that day. And uh, we hooked this fish, and, you know, everybody knows what a thresher fights like. And it's just like anchoring to the bottom. A thresher shark, right? A thresher shark, yep. A big eye. And uh, so we hooked this fish, but this fish swims in a straight line. Like, and there was a decent amount of current, so like if I, if I wasn't driving on it, I would be drifting off, you know, and it, you could tell if you weren't driving on it. So we're drifting on this fish, and I'm like, man, it's a thresher. And so we gave him a lot of drag, like off the get-go. And this, my cousin's fighting this fish in a harness, not out the rod holder. And uh, we're following it, following it. We, follow, we fight this fish for two hours, and I think we went like, almost almost six miles we went in a straight line where we never even were budging this fish and the fish never did anything and all of a sudden I was like man this is just going too far and I went to full drag I don't know how many pounds whatever I don't I don't know and as soon as we you just did got that, tired of it huh? it was just at that point in the day is we're breaking them off or something something's got to give but it's time to <laughs> make something happen yeah. <laughs> and so we went to full drag as soon as we did that that fish turned around and did a 180 and went right back in the same direction that we hooked the fish at and we're straight up on down on and the, the angler I had was doing a really good job like Tom, my cousin Tommy he hadn't fought much but he was doing good and the rye was boat over the entire time and we swam in a straight line six miles all the way back to where we hooked the fish and i think we were the same spot we were within 100 feet of the same spot and all of a sudden well, all right let me back up so we were That's while crazy. we're fighting this fish now it's going on three hours or three and a half hours going on four hours and i can mark i'm marking a fish at 600 foot that's just following us and uh so that's the fish you got you think right no the fish no. i had <laughs> we never got the let off holy shit yeah, it was all on the bottom. So we get we get this fish. Oh, I can't even. No, we never got the let off. So it's getting up, and I was like, "Man, this is a, a thresher. He's got to be foul hooked or something." I don't, I don't know what's going on with it, but I'm I'm over it. I, 
I don't fight any fish this long. Right. You know, and but we swam in a straight line all the way down that canyon. I wish I would have took a picture of that track mark, but and then all of a sudden when I went up on that drag, that fish turned around and we followed the fish as much drag as we could put on it and we went all the way back to where we hooked it. And I'm not kidding, we were probably less than a hundred feet from where we hooked it at and the fish freaked out and started coming up. And we were working on it, working on it, and it would get to about 600 feet to where we were marking. We are still marking this other fish. And it marked that fish, and all of a sudden, he would just dump us and go all the way back down to the bottom. And we were still in full drag. I don't know how many pounds it was. I don't know if people are going to want to know, but I don't right. know. Anyways, we fight the fish back up, and finally, you can tell the fish is done. It's coming. This is going on close to four hours and the fish is coming up and I can watch it and I'm watching and here's that fish that other fish at 600 all of a sudden I was like alright something's about to happen and all of a sudden the rod just went ballistic really? Yeah. so you think that there was like another fish no I think a, I think it was a mako you think you hooked because, a mako? no or you think a mako ate whatever you had? I think a mako ate whatever we had or bit us, bit us off because it just went because multiple times we get it up to that 600 feet and the fish would freak out and go all the way back down and then we'd work it back up and that fish never left us I'd mark him the whole time and all of a sudden that mako was keeping him nervous you know because multiple times you know those makos are smart they bite the bill and they bite the tail and I bet you he bit the bill off and and he got the hook yeah because it was just a clean but you think that fish could have been the one I don't know I never saw him you know every fish fights different but I know we caught the biggest one I ever caught was 306 and the next day I went to the same exact spot we dropped and I hooked a fish that is no doubt 100 pounds bigger than that fish without a doubt it jumped 9 times 9 times you saw him jump yeah and we pulled him off but I know they're out there it's just I think we have when they're biting good I think we just we have so many little fish and they the odds are, you know, because you think you need bigger bait to catch a little. No, that's not true. It's just they what, all, is, what? I mean, did you learn a lot that day though? That fish that you hooked, you fought him for that long, and he he can leave and go seven to eight miles away from that spot and come right back to it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know nothing because I never saw the fish. I don't know. But, I know, but like, does that? I mean, it like, made me wonder. If like just, people, like like, there's things that we don't know. Like. Salmon can go back to the spot that they were born yeah. and lay their eggs, right? Yeah. And that that happens. Something like that. And I believe you. Like, yeah, I, you I, have no fucking reason to lie to me yeah. right now. Yeah. Something like that happens. It just makes you wonder, what can fish really do? Like, do they have, like, some type of positioning system <laughs> in their brain? Not, like, Or did I not even have that much enough drag? The fish was so big, I didn't have that much drag on them to... He even knew that he was threatened, right? You know what I mean? Because does he was he just swimming back to where right. he was that morning? Like, right? Was he still feeding? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought I had all, a lot all, of drag, all right? that somebody could handle, but maybe not. I don't know. I just think that it's so crazy how, like, you know, just how like they say that salmon can go exactly to this place that they spawn right. every year. I think that fish know where they're at a lot more than people really yeah. realize to think, especially well, whenever you see certain things happen year after year in the yeah. same in the same situation. Well, if a butterfly can do it, 
yeah. and you see the same pattern year after year at the lump or the wahoo at the, the they know they know they've been doing this for longer than we've been oh, around yeah. we're you just trying I mean? we're trying to catch up no <laughs> doubt no they've been progressing and yeah. doing this way longer than we have i i really do feel like fish have a really good a much better sense than what people think about where they're at out there i mean oh they, they do they they know where they're at they do, 100%. How do... I mean, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah. But you think about a butterfly. Yeah. That, how do they know? If the butterfly can know it, yeah. dang sure... I think it's more of like they're, they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Like, they some, might not even know it just themselves, but like... Some magnetic their field whole, or something. Their whole species knows how it. How does a... Way. Yeah, how do they know? There's something... Something yeah. lets them know. Because sometimes at the lump, you're catching little fish. How do those little fish know? It's not memory. No, no. I you think know. it's like a... Maybe the older ones lead the little ones. I don't know. You know. Something like that. I mean, all these fish make sounds, and they got very sensitive ear bones. So I think, like, like whenever I'm catching bull reds, and they're sitting there, and they're drumming, you know, and they're all together. Like, yeah. that's how they know that, right? Yeah. Like, they all know to be together in some type of way. Like, the females can hear the, the males drumming, and they can't see anything that's going on, but I can imagine it's like a video game that they're playing, right? Oh. Like, they're just feeding off these other senses. <clears throat> well, well, yeah, it's just like every fish, whether it's a trout, redfish, a broom, where there's one, there's more. Right? There's more. Same thing with swordfish, same thing with tunas. They're all chasing the same thing. So their brains are... You know what I mean? They know yeah, they why know, they're there, right? Yeah, and they're not talking to each other. So yeah, you're some. There's got to be some truth going to that. on. I don't know. That's such but. an interesting like conversation way to think about fish, man. It's like yeah. I always tell people that you're trying to figure out their patterns, yeah, because they're going to be doing the same thing day after day within yeah. certain tide cycles, yeah, to try and feed. So if you can like kind of tap in on what they're so, doing you'll end up on fish. So I always ask about, because uh, it always seems like we don't have many longliners, but it seems like whenever like there's a really good rig, and like, you could be the first one to find it, mm-hmm. but it seems like there's a long line really close to it, <laughs> and you hadn't seen one for a long time. Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I wonder what that's I'm about. talking like really good rig, like where there's just tunas blowing up everywhere. everywhere right? You're and getting there's a there's there's a long line north or south of it, close. And how do they know that? You hadn't seen them there in six months. I don't know. Well, they've weird. been doing it a lot longer than we have, I guess. You know, they got log books. Maybe it's and, the altimetry, or maybe it's their log books. I, don't know. I mean, like I could see log books making a big difference. Well. Like, if tunas have been coming to the same little lump that's in the bottom of the seafloor that nobody really knows about for thousands but, but of years, Venice is a kind and of nobody a, else knows that. <laughs> but Venice is a, a, a lime, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's just different because the river. Yeah. Yeah, there, there could be fish at Elf, a shelf rig right there. And then all the next day there's is brown water. 20 yeah. miles yeah. past it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, same thing with swordfish. I think that's what makes Venice I tell people different. that a lot, man, is like, uh, fishing in Venice can sometimes throw you for such a loop because our, like, I get like, can, conditions change overnight everywhere, but like, 
I feel like it's more so here. Like I'll like there's some wardens I'm heading out and I'm so confident. Like, my confidence is, like... Well, that's when you know you're wrong. (laughs) Oh, dude, I said it the other day. I'm not kidding you. Like, listen, I had this one guy. I had one guy the other day, and the day before, I whacked... I won't say what they were. (laughs) You... One second. One second, I'll let you pee. (laughs) But, so I had this... I I was on top of the fish three days before I was, like, on them, and I had one guy... And we were heading out, and I was so confident. I talked him into going to Target what I was targeting and everything. And we get there, and I'm like, man, you know, it's usually not a good thing when I'm this confident. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't get a single bite. (laughs) It was like, it was like, like, just like I had imagined it as I was pulling up. I'm like, I'm not going to get a bite, even though I'm so confident in exactly how it went. But you're on your second Kimmy right now, right? Yep. Second Kimmy and uh, what you run? It's a thirty-seven with uh, quad four hundreds. Uh, three fifty. Three fifties. You got three fifties. Yeah. And uh, I love I love the boat. I really do. I don't know what. I I might go with the new V eights, the new three hundreds on the next boat, just because Wade's got it, and it seems to be the numbers are, are numbers good. a little better. Yeah. yeah. As things do get better, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but would you say that like the forty-two is better than the thirty-seven? I mean, I know uh, you fished. I mean, I mean, I mean, it was kind of your choice to stay in a thirty-seven, right? I mean, or was it not? Well, so I don't own my boat; I lease it. So, like, it's up to the, the owner, right? Right, but I could. I'm sure. I mean, you could have gotten it. I mean, it's yeah. not like he's gonna lose money if he would have got a forty-two. It uh. The 42, when I'm on it, I love it. When I'm on my 37, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing to be bad said about it, right? No, there's not. Either one of them was great. It's and a there's, preference. There's not, there's not a day that I can go on the 42 that I couldn't go on the 37. But you can be a little more comfortable. Yeah. Have a little more room. Um would you say that, it, like, because, like, whenever I've fished the 42 and the 37, I feel like the fishability on the 37 is a slight bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Just the sheer distance. Yeah. <laughs> From the live well to the helm and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's one great thing about the 37. I think it's a perfect. Because that 34, you know, we fish a captain and mate on that with six people for years. And that was. Yeah. The cat's meow. Then now thirty seven, now the forty two, you know it's getting bigger and bigger. But um, that's what Cameron was joking about. He said, "Man, what are we gonna have? if we get a forty seven? We're gonna have two mates, you know? Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> no. Where does it stop? No, it not. is true. Like I thought about that before. It's like the boats keep getting bigger and the mates just like stay right and make it stuck. With, yeah, with right. a bigger boat and. More, yeah. I mean, I thought about that whenever I, you know, like whenever I was a deckhand, yeah. I was like, man, this is like, this is crazy. Like, you know, give yeah. me a 40 foot boat to take care of. Yeah. Like, you might need to pay some deck pay, but. Yeah, up the, up the tips or something. No, nah, but you gotta, I don't know, you take the good with the bad. I mean, you're in a com- more comfortable ride every day. I mean, that's, that's your day too. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, there's something. But, the, you know, if your, your mate doesn't show up, it's a hundred percent easier 
not that our mates don't show up that often, but <laughs> but if they do, if you had a fish to your boat by yourself, thirty-seven is perfectly fine. Feasible, it's big enough, right? yeah. yeah. But a forty-two, like the forty. Granted, I was ten years younger, but I fished that by myself, and like I felt like I ran ten miles every day. <laughs> but I was capable. Now I couldn't do it. You, you couldn't know? do it anymore. You. Know? I mean, I could do it. <laughs> But <laughs> you could do it, Jordan. You could do it. May, may, maybe for a couple of days, no, but, but like then. you, no, like I remember whenever I was a deckhand and you were running that boat, like you didn't have a deckhand most days, like no. And like I, I think you get better. That's what I, t- I, I told Chad. Uh, you do get and better, just, yeah, because you learn to. Uh, that's what I you tell have him. less, so you got to make more happen with less. I mean, right. That's what I tell every mate that I've ever had. I was like, yeah, you know what you're doing. You're doing a good job. But you need to do that and something else. Like, imagine if I wasn't, if I just disappeared. You need to be able to drive that boat, know, know where those baits are. Yeah. Or if we're catching bait, you need to be able to catch bait, <laughs> hold the boat in position, de-hook the customer's bait. You know, it's not just... Yeah, your job. You gotta think bigger. But like know? sometimes, like I think that like it takes like there's certain things in life and like with jobs too that you gotta see for yourself. Like nobody can just tell you that this is like this is how like this is the way that I do it because of this. Like it took like days and days and days and days and days of you being out there doing it yourself to like really see what you're trying to make happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Or no? Yeah. And that so. You know, like I have a good mate now, but he's he's new, and uh, he will he's gonna be really good. But it takes about six months. He's gonna be so happy that he said that you said that. Yeah, Cameron, <laughs> I'm talking to you. But uh, he's got same, a good mate. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, but the mates before I've been really fortunate. I've had really good mates. Like, yeah, I've had mates that should have been captains. Yeah, but I had them for. Shout out to Chad. Like, Chad and Justin, yeah. I love y'all. And um, Justin, yeah. And dude, you have. You've been like... I've been. I've had some really good mates. You really have. And it's a difference maker. But no, and, but like... But honestly, man, like... The reason that you've had good mates is because you're good. Like, I know, like, you might not look at it as that way, but like... The mates that are really good can kind of choose where they go. Right. And if they want to be with the best... And I'm that, not going to sit here and say it, but like... You're one of the best. I mean, yeah. people want to be with you. <clears throat> and it's a catch-22. Because if you have a really good mate, it's really good until they get their own boat. And you know it's only a matter of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that that's a, that's the kicker. It's like a... You know it's a, a means to an end. Right. It Having a good mate is awesome until they get their own boat. And then you got to restart. Yeah, and you don't know what you're getting in Venice isn't the best place and it's like everything's like just the way you want it and right like and then you gotta start like, over yeah you gotta start and over and it takes I figured it out it takes six months to where you can fish and not say a word where you don't have to tell somebody where you turn on the boat they know where to cast the bait you don't have to there's no there's less no communication. communication very less yeah and me. that's the key to a good captain and mate relationship well, they don't have to say anything. Yeah. I could turn the wheel, and they know. They know they what's going the on. They move the customer this way, fighting a fish. We cast the bait this way. 
you know, vice versa. Everything's happening but the way takes, you want it to happen, and you're right. not even having to talk. Right? And, but it takes a long time. And then just right when you got them where you want them, they leave. They leave. And that's what sucks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, you know, they earned it. You know, because yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah. So, whatever. But. That's cool, though. I mean, that's... That's what you want to create, though. You want yeah, to create, yeah, you want like a position where people. Yeah, you don't want progress. people. Yeah, you don't want people to be at a dead end job. Yeah. and that. That's what Kevin that's one thing told I've me. I've noticed about all your mates though is like at, you can't say that about every job is like, you put this like I love Cameron death man but you put this burning desire to get better. Like, oh yeah, you got to get I better. Don't, I don't put up with. Uh, you don't put up like because I, I like I got Cameron this job. Like I yeah. know, like I know who he is and everything. And whenever he comes to me, and he's like all stressed out about this and that and, and this and that, that's such a good thing for somebody that's trying to progress. And they don't realize it. They hate it. They hate it at the time. But like, as a, as like some like if I could go back, if I could go back, and whenever I was a deckhand, like. I would like cherish those moments so much more whenever you're like have this burning desire to like impress right. somebody because or, you like, learn so much better, that much faster that much faster like if you didn't give a shit like right. Cam- like Cameron would not have progressed at all he would not be nearly the mate that he yeah. is now and he like now like if he like god forbid if something were to happen he could go anywhere in Venice and find a job yeah but there's not every deckhand in Venice that yeah. could do that. So my you standard is pretty high. So I said, it's Cameron, very high. <laughs> if you can't rig a, a squid in a week, you're gone. Yeah. If you can't throw a cast net in a week, and he couldn't do either. He couldn't do either. I remember helping him with both. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it's got to be. I mean, if you can't, this is this is a learning no, job. No yeah. different than being an accountant mm-hmm. or being whatever this is your career if you can't learn this in a week which is pretty simple right it don't mean you want it yeah and that's it that's one thing yeah. I've learned if they can't figure it out in a week they don't want it they go on <laughs> and that that's it yeah. and Cameron's done a good job but Cameron's gonna be good he's gonna be really good he is good he is good yeah. he is good but he 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 passed the test so far <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying it's like the the mates I've had in the past they just keep raising the bar up and up yeah and it kind of puts him in this situation that's, that's, that's like, what it is it's like I was there I know what it's like yeah. and every generation does this does this job better like I, I well think yeah they got a head start yeah you get a head start you already know this much so like all this knowledge that took Kevin Beach a, he- a lifetime yeah. to learn you yeah. learned it yeah, and then all that knowledge that took you twelve years to learn, he gets it there, right. like exactly. And so, so he's supposed to be better than right. what was previously. What, 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 when I tell the mates that the new mates that join Mexican golf now is like, you got no excuse. Like when I was a mate, I was the only mate. Yeah, there was nobody else to talk to. Like, yeah. can you help me learn this? No, no. There's no excuse, yeah, because you because have so now, all this resources you, to you, learn. Yeah. yeah, if you if I tell you, you better learn how to rig a squid or throw a cast net. If you don't know by tomorrow, there's something wrong, right? Because and then there's there's also a mindset shift that goes from, all right, you got to learn all this stuff, but then do it better than what they were doing it. 
because that's also like I've seen deckhands getting in this mindset to where they're learning everything from everybody but they're not being innovative like that's one thing that I've always looked up to you as is that you've always been innovative as a fisherman like you're always looking for something to give you that next edge over the next person well, it's baby step <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though mm-hmm. right you know exactly what I mean. It's like every like there's a there's a point to where everybody learn like you can learn everything from somebody, but there's there's there comes a time where you got to take it to that next level. So I gotta give Polly I gotta give Polly some props. <laughs> so one day Polly was decadent for me, and uh, I, I get to his wheel, I made him shoot a triple tail <laughs> on a rip because it was a shit day, and it, he shot the triple tail, and. Uh, and he came back reluctantly, and I said, "Polly, what's wrong?" He's like, "Man, I, I talk shit about people that shoot triple tail." <laughs> and I said, "Well, Polly, we needed those triple tails. This is a shit day." <laughs> so I remember that triple tail. I'm not kidding you guys. Like I got in the water and the thing swam to me. <laughs> but I said, "Shoot it!" And uh, so that's my fault. That's, you can put you can put that on me. But uh, anyway, so we go fishing. And I think we were fishing shrimp boats, and uh, and it was it was a tough day, and and there were some black fins coming up, but like there have been so many boats pounding these shrimp boats, so they were being super finicky, and I was like, we could see them from the boat, but they wouldn't come eat a boat. And I said, Paulie, you think you can shoot one of them? He said, that I don't think I've ever shot a tuna on a. <laughs> I said, well, you think you can shoot them? He said, yeah. So he jumps in, he shoots one or two, and I was like, man. Thank you, Paulie. You know, Paulie Lou, we got a triple tail, a couple of black fins of the boat. <laughs> Polly shot at everything. We hadn't <laughs> caught anything on a rod and reel. And uh and and we go out I don't know if it was the same day I'm, I might be mixing them up. So it might have been the same week because I remember it was a whole yeah, week I a whole fished week. With I might them. be mixing it up. But I know what you're talking so about. So one day we the same week we we pulled through the shrimp boat and the it, it, it might have been a little early. I don't know what was going on, but like they weren't really doing it. And we mark. Anyways, this this big fish comes up and it rolls. Like the, I, I think the shrimp boat like may have pushed some like chum off the side of the boat. And there's a bunch of floaters and like this. And whenever that happens, it's never a good sign. I was like, oh my god, we're never gonna catch this one. <laughs> you know, because it's just it's just like eating a croaker at a time, and mm. we're sitting there trying to get them coming. And uh, but for whatever reason, he stays with us, and we would throw baits. It was a big yellow. And uh, it was it was a big elephant, and uh, and so we we keep fishing. The fish stay with us. I'm not kidding. Like thirty minutes, and uh, Paulie finally comes up with the idea. I didn't say nothing because you kept Paulie, throwing like yeah live yeah, yeah. Bait. You were throwing a live yeah. bullet or a live hardtail. I don't yeah. Well, Paulie comes up with this idea on his own. He put some bullshit fucking rotten ass chum <laughs> in this bat, you know, or a live butt bait bat, and throws it out there because he was coming out like probably forty yards. Yeah, was, he kept eating all the floating chum. Yeah, I would I would see him and he wouldn't react to the live yeah. bait at all. It was well, just like Paulie consistent. chunks that crap out there, and I was like, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna say nothing, but whatever, whatever, so whatever <laughs> and five minutes later that, that crap on the f- surface all of a sudden Polly goes I just hooked him 
and he's <laughs> going off. I said, you've got to be shitting me. <laughs> and we ended up catching it. It was a good, it was like a 190 something. Yeah, it was a 198, and then the next day we caught a 204. Okay. I think, remember that. Okay, so, yeah. so, look, all right. Regardless of that, what happened there, I, Chad comes to the boat the next day because he had staff. That's what it was. That's yeah. what he was out. He, he got stuck and he had yeah. some, yeah, yeah. He had staff, so... <clears throat> Chad gets on the boat and I was like, Chad, you know, this is like the first year Chad's working with me. He's a, he, he's a captain on his own. He didn't need me, but I'm telling him, I was like, you know, the shrimp boat fishing, the way it is, it's like, sometimes you just have to think outside the box. And I said, Chad, if you think of anything, anything, try it. <laughs> because Paulie did this bull crap and it worked. <laughs> so anything you think might work, because I've seen it multiple times. It's like yeah, something no, it's out crazy. there. So one day, or if I had these customers. That was like an aha moment for me, dude. I will never forget that. Because, yeah. like, dude, like, whenever I was fishing, just to tell the listeners, like, whenever I was fishing with Jordan on shrimp boats, I mean, like, like I've looked up to Jordan since I was fucking, since I first got here. Like, he's, like, the best. And for me to hook a tuna in front of him the way that it happened, and I think one of the customers goes, he said something smart-ass. I can't, I won't even repeat it. But I was just like, I was just like, no. Like, I don't know how that just happened. I don't know why it just happened, but that was really, really cool. That <laughs> was, like, one of the most... But it's true. Like, so I told Chad, when he came back the next, we had a really good week together. We caught, like, a couple fish over 190... Yeah, we had a 200. We yeah. had a 200. We had a really good week. And uh, Chad shows back. He's like, all right, I'm ready for it to suck. <laughs> you know? And I was like, well, you know what? You know, one thing I learned from Paulie is just try something. You know, sometimes <laughs> something out the fucking you box. You learned something from me? Yeah, I did. No way. Yeah. That's I cool, said, I told, I told I, Chad, if you something comes to your head, well, if we can have a fish in the slick and he's not eating and we're not getting them, and you got something coming to your head, don't be afraid to overstep me. That's just what I do. Try I something. just try it. Right, right. But that, it worked. That happened to me. And that's what I tell everybody all time. the time. And Kevin would tell me that too. Kevin would say, if man, if not in the same scenario, but it's more important than shrimp boat fishing because you can see the fish. Yeah. But Kevin would always say, like, man, if I'm doing something... And you got an idea, do something different. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's that little switch. The same scenario actually happened to me the year before. I was fishing with Josh Bodenheimer, and he kept trying to feed this 180. It was like, it was 188. He kept trying to feed it a mullet, and it wouldn't react to it. And I was like, hey, man, you just want me to drop down this butterfish? It was a dead butterfish. He was like, nah, nah. And so then after the second time I asked him, I just did it. I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it. And I ended up hooking him. And he was like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I told like, you to do that. He's kind of like, shit. <laughs> but no, it's, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I think that like, when you got an idea and nothing else is working, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, it, with nothing else but shrimp boat fishing, it, it's more obvious. Yeah. You know, because you can see the fish. I mean, like that fish that, that day that I did with you. I mean that thing was slammed full of fish. Like it, like I don't know why I ate what I threw them. And for a fish to eat a live bait, I mean I would think 
the fish has got to be pretty, pretty empty, like ready to eat. But I don't know. It's always uh, it's always a hard thing to read the bite, you know. But if you know, there's nothing more wacky than a shrimp go bite. And yeah. but that's what I've always learned because I fish with Justin. He does it totally different than what I do it, and uh, I learned a lot from him. And uh, we caught a lot of fish doing it that way. I do it uh, if it was my choice. I would have no chum. Yeah, and I would just have live bait, <laughs> and that works sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. And then there's sometimes you need chum, and then there's sometimes you need a little yeah something different. Is, so this is so let me tell you that so one time we had these customers that tied uh they had these spinner rods and they're like hey cap you mind if we tie circle hooks to it and we cast out uh like chum on the uh you know like right my catch on the spinner rods and i was like um no you can't do that <laughs> because there's bonitas everywhere and they're just going to eat the chum and then we're just going to be fighting bonitas for yeah. the next three hours. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, all right, well, we had like four hours went by. We didn't catch anything. I don't even think we saw a yellowfin like come up in the slit. And uh, he was like, cat, you mind? I was like, I don't give a shit. Do whatever you want. You know, whatever. Throw it. So he, so like you know we're chumming there we're not no hooks in the water we're just looking for yellowfin and he casts a dead whatever the hell it was like 20 yards past right the bonita you know what I'm talking about the bonita right boil. the bonita boil right <laughs> and uh boom yellowfin catches it like it wasn't a big one maybe 60 pounds but catches it uh-huh. and uh they were like uh cat you mind if we do that again I was like all of them. Do, Do all it. of them. <laughs> Get it going. <laughs> Get it going. So we caught four yellow fin on spinner rods because they were casting that far away. That far away. And that, that was the difference that day. That's the difference. It's, it's like that's the difference that day, but to read right, read that on a, a week from now. or Right. Dude, it's, yeah, it's it, weird. Yeah. It's weird how like, uh like that's just like with redfish sometimes you catch them right up next to the canes and oh. sometimes you cast them away <laughs> catch them away from the canes but you, know? you, you do what you do every day sometimes you're the dumb asshole and yeah. then sometimes you're the genius yeah you know but you just gotta do I've what learned, you're confident I've in I've learned you just uh, that's what you wanna do do it sometimes it works sometimes yeah it it's kinda like you know like uh, talk to trout fishermen a lot and the ones that have done it for a long time it ends up coming down to like two or three, maybe four baits that they only use. Like they don't use anything else. This is like their only colors that they use. And you just keep doing that and you grow confidence in that. And that's what you end up, you know, doing all the time. But that's not to say that on any given day somebody could throw a slight variation of one of those colors and wear your ass out. Like that could happen. But yep. it's just about fishing what you're most confident in. That's it. The yeah. bottom line, the whole conversation of this <laughs> tough tonight is if you're confident in it, do it. Right. Do it. Right. Because fish are fish. Yeah. They're going to eat. They might just not be eating when you're fishing, yeah. but eventually they're going to eat. Yeah. It don't matter if they're tunas, trout, or whatever. Yeah. Well, um,. Man, we're coming up on two hours right now. Oh, it's a pretty shoot. long podcast, but 
I dude, this has been awesome. But just to um, do you want to tell that story I talked about before, or you want to? Which one? The one with Kevin and. Okay, I'll tell this. <laughs> well, we'll tell this one, and we'll talk about conservation briefly, and we'll be done. But I want I, just because, like, I feel like it would be funnier story coming from you than it would Thank be you. coming from. Uh, okay, coming from. I'll Kevin. tell the. I'll tell the story. <laughs> so Kevin, who I beloved, Kevin's like my big brother. I love him, and I can I can talk crap about him, and Kevin's not gonna mind because he knows. He is a big brother to me. He's got the thickest skin yeah, there is. Yeah, I love him. But I'm going to tell this story. And Kevin, I love you. Sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> but they're going to know. So one day we're out there. And I, we're pretty far out. But we're there's like three or four rigs within 10 miles. And uh, Kevin had a good day. He caught, he caught some tunas. And uh, he asked uh, Captain Billy... He said, Billy, you got any big baits? You know, I got enough tunas. I only got two guys. Um, I need some big baits. We're just going to marlin fish. So Billy goes, all right, here you go. He gives him some big hardtails. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're literally three miles away from him. And uh, Kevin puts him out. <laughs> and it didn't take five minutes. Five minutes, Kevin's hooping and hollering, the biggest blue marlin. He's the ever biggest seen blue marlin the pale horse has ever seen. Big, it, it's eight hundred <laughs> plus pounds, and uh, this fish eats both baits, both incidentally, baits. yeah, both baits, and uh, it just happened that like all of us are kind of wrapping up our day, and uh, we're kind of listening on the radio, like holy crap, Kevin! Didn't just y'all have to like bring him belts? Yeah, so Kevin. <laughs> Kevin hooks this fish. He's only got two customers. They're both fighting this fish. And uh, Kevin, I don't know why, but he only had one belt and harness. And uh, he's asking for other belts. So me and Chad run over there. Me and Chad run over there. And uh, like, Kevin, you still need the belt and harness? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we pull up right next to him, give him the belt and harness. We can see them hook up both guys, and they they take off. They're they're fighting this fish, and they go off. And I think it was like four and a half hours. <laughs> and we, all, the rest of us, head home. And uh, Kevin's still telling us how big this blue marlin is. And uh, you know, I saw it. He was eat talking it. about killing it. Like it might oh, be a yeah. grander. Like it's a grander. A grander yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, nobody, no charter captains ever the caught guy, one over the a guy, thousand pounds. The guy Kevin was Beach just in, him in. Yeah, exactly. The guy <laughs> was just in Panama, caught one five hundred pounds. He saw this one. That's it's double it. <laughs> you know that whole, that whole nine yards. And uh, so, anyways, we we take some pictures of him fighting the fish, and we take off. Everybody heads north. I guess we're stored fishing or whatever. And uh, <laughs> about. Three hours later, we hear Kevin on the radio. Y'all got me? <laughs> yeah, Kevin, we got you. What's going on? What's going on, Kevin? Uh, we caught it. Holy crap, Kevin. How big was it? He was a grander. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we're so excited for you. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the only problem was it, it was a manta ray. <laughs> so... So, so we get we get Kevin 
Anyway, we, we gave him hell for about six months. And we let it go. Dude, this was the topic of discussion. Like, almost... Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Kevin's got the... Kevin's got a 1,200-pounder coming to the scales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I remember looking at the group chat, and I think Clayton was like, come on, Kevin, tell us how big he was. <laughs> like, And then it started from there. for like, And it's still going. Like, he will never live that down. Uh-uh. He will never live down the fact that his thousand pound blue marlin was oh, well, a man I, I saw it eat. Well, what he saw was the two wings coming out the water. <laughs> what he thought was twelve feet apart was just the wingspan of a manta ray, and so that's what that's what happened with that. But anyways, so make a long story short, is we bought Kevin a manta ray golden necklace just like you see everybody else with Every- like a blue marlin <laughs> necklace <laughs> kevin wears a manta ray necklace <laughs> but we love us the manta ray the manta ray was let go like yeah peacefully like the thing oh, wasn't yeah. harmed yeah you know it, it was, was just, actually just tang- it was it was wrapped. just tangled in it so like once it wasn't even hooked yeah so it, it went away it but fraud, but so if you guys ever see Kevin around Venice with the uh, manta ray necklace, golden you'll know necklace. the you, golden. This is full gold necklace. <laughs> if you ever see him with it, you'll know the full story. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. But um, yeah, that was a pretty epic story. But um, we're coming up on two hours right now, man. Is there? Any, do you need to use the bathroom real quick? No, I'm good. You're good. Um. Just to touch on, like, conservation. I know we've been doing this for a while, but, like, is there anything you want to say to, like, uh, people or, like, people in the industry or your clients? Like, what can we do to further protect our fishery, in your opinion? Erase your memory. What you thought was a good day is not a good day anymore. I would say... (laughs) There's no need to kill 10 tunas. 50-pound tunas, erase that from your memory. Six tunas is plenty... 50-pounders is plenty enough tunas to feed six people. Right. So I think we need to start from there. Today I had a great crew. We had... We caught eight. And I didn't know it at the time, but... When we caught the eighth one, they said, Cat, we good. And uh, we, uh, anyways, I would just say, just know what you caught, know what you caught last year, know how you use that fish, and kind of apply that to your next trip. Is you don't need that many tuna. Yeah, it makes a good picture. But yeah. don't feel like you got to top your picture yeah, from last year. Right. Nobody gives a crap about right. what you caught last year. I mean, I'm just saying, tuna's tuna. Once you freeze it, it's different. Yes, it's still good, but it's not the same. I always tell that to people, too. Is like, fresh fish is far better than yeah. anything you're going to freeze. So try to eat it, like, as yeah. fresh as you can. And try not to gloat on freezing all this <clears throat> fish. But... Well, you know, that that's something we as charter captains try and combat is the past. Yeah. Because you're all, you know, you, you got to... Because that's what people are coming back for, right, is what you right. did in the past. And, and they, compare them, they compare that trip to. 
and 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 I think most of our customers have gotten used to uh, you know like four tunas four 50 pound tunas is plenty enough tuna for six people and I think I think that they know we're, we're equipped to do other things as far as trolling lines or as far as uh, what snapper fishing as far sword fishing whatever it may be is there's more than just tuna you know yeah, so yeah. you know just don't beat I up. definitely think that people whenever they come you know back they get a better sense of what they actually need right one right Right. versus whenever right. they came the first time you know and uh no i mean i think that's a that's a good message is you know don't take more than you need right right that's it yeah, don't take more than you need and i don't know i think most people don't know how much meat is on a tuna or swordfish yeah you know and it it it's also too is like you know like what's really valued is like you getting to eat that fresh fish um, whenever you feed it, it's not quite as good. And, you know, we didn't start freezing fish until like 50 or 60 years ago. Like, that's when it became about. And I don't know. People do it. I do it. It's it's a thing, but I think that's it's not really comparable to fresh fish. No, it definitely changes it. but It definitely changes it. But I don't know. I, what I always say is I don't think any of us know the right answer. We're all here trying to progress, and uh, it's just the nature of it. But we can always try to do better. And Captain Jordan says to take what you need and release the rest, right? That's it. That's <laughs> it. Come back next year. That's right. All right, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and tune out for now. Um, this was a, a really long podcast, but I loved it, man. Thank you so much, Jordan. I've looked up to you for years, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with me today i know there's a lot of like insight knowledge and stories that you shared with us and it's really important to all of us so i appreciate it and jordan paula thank you for having me and yeah. uh hopefully have <laughs> me again yeah for sure we'll do it again and guys also remember whenever you're out at your local little liquor store here in louisiana uh remember to grab your bottle of yellowfin vodka um some good stuff me and uh jordan have almost finished this bottle like what we got about two inches left on two inches left yeah <laughs> i'm feeling yeah. pretty good yeah yeah so this is a good podcast guys and uh yeah tune in next time and uh y'all have a good night good night thanks for listening everybody please give us a follow on facebook or instagram at tuna town talks also if you'd like to book a charter with me you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water. 